2: Time now for the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Guess
0: what day it is,
4: huh? day. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Wednesday. Happy Hump Day on 101 ESPN. Carriker and Smallman. It's 7.01. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing?
5: Good morning, Randy Carriker. I'm okay. You know, you wake up in the morning and Albert Pujols didn't hit a home run the day before. It just feels like a little bit of a letdown. But other than that, I'm pretty good.
4: It's a shame the trade deadline has passed. (laughs) Why?
5: (laughs) He didn't hit a home run. Move on from him. Forget it. (laughs) We have to do that. But don't you agree? with that though we're so wrapped up expectations now yeah we're so wrapped up in the anticipation of it that anytime it doesn't happen it feels like "Eh, it's not today wasn't as great as yesterday was
4: but as you wake up the cardinals are five and a half ahead of the brewers in the central the brewers got drilled and corbin burns got drilled last night by the dodgers the la dodgers beat milwaukee by a score of 10 to 1 that on the heels of the cardinals Getting shut out by the Cubs in the opener of a doubleheader, and that's gonna happen. You're gonna lose a game now and then, two nothing.
5: But didn't uh, you didn't you feel like that one was coming though yeah. with Javier Assad? Whenever the Cardinals have a pitcher that they haven't seen before, usually it doesn't work out for them offensively. Right.
4: And they had been so successful, and it's a day game after a night game in a different looking lineup. And by the way, both games last night, in excess of three hours, Weno was brilliant. Every other situation that you could ever imagine, Waino would have won, except for pitching for the Cardinals this year. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how well he has pitched this month and how little run support he's gotten.
5: And this is why I hate that a lot of Hall of Fame voters will look at just career wins and not take into account that Adam Wainwright put his team in position to win how many times and what that number should be. This is why I, I hate the way that the Baseball Hall of Fame goes about it. I wish that it was like the NFL Hall of Fame where someone would, would get to stand up and really drill into the numbers and actually make the case for somebody because Adam Wainwright should have so many wins this season that would be attached to, his, attached to his career total, but he hasn't gotten the run support. It's been a real shame.
4: People, validly so, and by the way, Adam is not one of these people that agrees with this, people don't like the win stat and I think everything eventually evens out, but Wayno yesterday goes six innings. He allows two runs and it wasn't anything hit hard against him. He allows five hits start before that. Uh, the Cardinals did win by a score of nine, eight. He didn't get a decision, but he goes seven shutout innings in that game. The game before that, he winds up taking a loss. He went all the way. He allowed one run, uh, two starts before that he got a win. Uh, he, he goes seven shutout innings, but he's been brilliant in August. He's uh, got a 2.25 earned run average this month and only has two wins in five starts to show for it.
5: He's been brilliant brilliant all year long, Randy. Yep. And anytime I see Adam Wainwright go out and do what he did, did yesterday... I watch it and I try to savor it because he's amazing and we know that it's only a finite amount of time that we have Adam Wainwright left. But then on the other side of the coin, I think this can't be his last season. There's absolutely no way. With the way that he's throwing the ball, he should definitely come back next year. I know there's a lot of external factors with his family and how long he wants to continue Mm -hmm. doing this, but the Cardinals need him to come back and bringing it full circle to the Hall of Fame. I know that Adam knows if he has one more year like he had this year, maybe that would really pad that that Hall of Fame resume.
4: And by the way, no Wednesdays with Wayno today. He'll be with us tomorrow at 9.30. So you want to make that, uh, put that in your calendar, in your phone. Adam Wainwright tomorrow morning at 9.30, and the Cardinals did lose the opener yesterday, 2-0. But then they came back in the nightcap and rolled by a score of 13-3. And in the third inning, the Cardinals got things going with one of their big hitters in the lineup. Nolan Aranato.
0: Aranato drives one out to deep left. At the wall, one nothing, And a long home run,
4: Nolan Aranato, number 26. So it's 1 0 Cardinals in the fourth inning. Then Nolan Gorman reached base for Tyler O'Neill. Who?
0: In the air out to deep left. And this is gone. Tyler O'Neill with a two run shot. 3 0 Cardinals. Second home run here in this top of the fourth. And Tyler O'Neill with home run number eight.
4: He's now driven in 43. 3 0 St. Louis. And Michelle, in this new age of baseball, and I'm going to say new age since the advent of analytics, you really do need, and that's right around 2000, 2003-ish, something like that, you need three impact hitters. And The Cardinals clearly have two in Goldie and in Nolan Arenado. But whether it's Albert or whether it's Tyler O'Neill, somebody else is going to have to st- step up in the middle of that lineup and be an impact guy. And Tyler O'Neill was that guy last year. Maybe we'll see it again
5: you would love for it to be Tyler O'Neal just because he's going to be in the lineup more often than Albert. I think Albert has certainly done a good job of assuming that role, especially as of late. But I just keep watching Tyler O'Neal, Randy, and thinking he's he's got to break out like he did last year. It's got to be coming at some point. I know he's battled the injuries this year, but you see him hit a home run like he did yesterday, and you just think, could he get really, really hot down the stretch? And if so, what could that mean for this Cardinals team as they encroach upon the playoffs?
4: It's certainly there physically. So it's just a matter of getting into that place that he was in last year. Duane baseball singled home run, another run scored on an error to make it 5-nothing Cardinals. Corey Dickerson doubling home run in the 5th and then in the 6th inning Tommy Edman.
0: And Tommy lifts a high fly ball left center. Gone! An opposite field home run, Tommy Edmund With home run number 9 and the
4: Cardinals have it Three long balls tonight. And Michelle, in addition to the three home runs, Carlson with a base hit. Dawny Baseball with a base hit. But you go to the lower part of the lineup. Nolan Arenado has three hits. Tyler O'Neill goes two for four. Corey Dickerson goes four for five. Tommy goes two for five and uh, drives in three. And the Cardinals got a great starting performance out of Jake Woodford. He goes five and a third, allows one run on four hits. And the Cardinals win at 13-6. 13-3.
5: And 13-3. I'm I was going to say, 13-3. To three. 13-3, yeah. Everyone contributing in this one, Randy, and uh, I was so thrilled to see Jake Woodford come out and have that performance, as you mentioned, one run, four hits, five and a third innings in his first start this season. It's good to see Jake Woodford getting that opportunity.
4: And the Cardinals have not liked everything they've seen from him, but he's worked pretty hard to get back up here.
1: You're always working on stuff in this game. There's always something to work on, so I've definitely been um, you know, trying to iron out some of those things and, and continue to improve and get better. And um, you know, whatever role they need me in. You know, that's kind of been my motto since I've, you know, been up here. And, you know, I'm going to stick to that. Just whatever this team needs to win, you know, I'm here for it.
4: I don't know how you can watch Jake Woodford pitch yesterday and watch Dakota Hudson pitch his last five, six mm-hmm. starts and not choose Jake Woodford over Dakota Hudson.
5: It's been such a head scratcher why they they haven't favored jake woodford i know that they wanted him to work on certain things mechanically Mm -hmm. but still at times you're you're looking at the guys that you have available and jake woodford is is your best option yet he hasn't been the one getting the call
4: and it's got to be frustrating for young players in the cardinal system that don't get the opportunity because so many other young players have and they tell woodford well it's not about your performance it's about your slider well Then Ali Marmol says performance plays. So what is it?
5: Do you think it's Johan Oviedo residue from last year? Do you think they maybe just don't, if they don't feel like he's really capable of the moment. They don't want to put him in there and have him be exposed. Clearly, that wasn't the case.
4: No, but he, he wins games. It's That's I'm the with thing with Oviedo. I got that. You don't, you don't want to completely bury the guy, but Jake Woodford is a guy that actually wins games.
5: I'm with you. I I don't understand the, the thought process behind it. I'm just trying to diagnose it or trying to understand where the Cardinals are coming from.
4: Yeah, I I can't figure that one out. Meanwhile, Corey Dickerson, four for five on the night. And Dickerson is hitting 390, Michelle, since the All-Star break. His overall numbers since the break are sensational. 390 batting average, a 981 OPS. And when you look at the numbers, you say, man, you got to be impressed. I'm just trying to show that I'm valuable, that, uh, you know, I might not like the, the role or the, you know, Playing time and stuff like that, but I enjoy being a part of this team and I know I can offer something. And uh, I just have that kind of mindset to go out there and compete. And I get why you don't like the role, but the reason that you have the role is that before the All Star break, you hit 202 with a 575 OPS.
5: Yeah. There has to be a heavy dose of reality there, but I appreciate his candor. I really do. Yeah, you do. That I love being part of this team, but I wish I was playing more. I, I wish that I was an everyday player. I, I get that from, from Corey Dickerson, but I also am with you Randy there's a reason why you aren't that guy. Yeah, <laughs> where, and, where were you gonna go
4: right and the reality of the situation is Corey we love you kind of but you're <laughs> kind coming of to a team with a, a returning legend who also does the same thing that you do
5: and, and has is been doing do- it really well maybe the best in baseball has been doing mm-hmm. it at an elite elite level oh and there's history on the other end of that too
4: yeah, so Cardinals win thirteen three game four of the series tonight, Michelle. That was when the Washington series started, and we looked at the twenty six game stretch, and I said, okay, eighteen and uh, nineteen and seven. Mm-hmm. That was their twentieth win last night in this stretch. So they
5: superseded your expectations. They've done
4: everything that I could have imagined that they would do, and more. And I want more. I want to win today, and I want to win tomorrow, please. But you know
5: what? That's okay, Randy, because after this stretch, I think our expectations of the team have shifted and that's okay. I want to see them go out against the Braves and the Dodgers and do what they've been doing against these lesser opponents. That's my next tent pole in, in the expectation bubble is do what you've been doing against teams that you're going to see in the playoffs or that are playoff teams.
4: Braves this weekend, Dodgers at Dodger Stadium in September and the Cardinals, boy, that Dodger offense is really good. But the Cardinals need to go into that series, I'm sure, looking at it as a playoff preview.
5: Yes, they should. I had tweeted a poll, I believe, yesterday, Randy, and I said, Are we thinking 12 and 22 yet? Basically, wondering if the BFIB mm-hmm. had already thought this is a team that's capable of winning a World Series. The two options were too soon, and I'm already there. 54. 54- 0.7% of people responding said it was too soon. And I think people, a lot of people are holding out their judgment on how capable this team could be in the postseason once they see them versus the Dodgers.
4: A couple of other notes. Fernando Tatis and the Padres, congratulations. you got a great media consultant. And <laughs> Fernando Tatis with a really I can't say heartfelt, but a really slick apology to the Padres, to their ownership, to their GM, to the fans. And uh, he, he did it at least he did it, Michelle.
5: What did the apology? Yeah, I guess.
4: so it it was extremely slick. I'll give them credit for that.
5: I just don't really know what we were supposed to get from him. Do you know what I mean? It, it, just the the entire thing it's never gonna you're never gonna get the one hundred percent truth out of somebody about what they did. There's always it's always going to be shrouded with some sort of an excuse or whatever. but. Uh, I I don't know. I wasn't very impressed. I
4: I wasn't either. And sad news from across the state. Len Dawson, who's a legend in Kansas City, led the Chiefs to a victory in Super Bowl 4 against the Vikings and was a longtime personality there in media. He was the analyst on Chiefs games on the radio and did TV in Kansas City for a long time. He'd been put into hospice last week and Len Dawson passed away last night and a big loss. And our thoughts and prayers to our friends across the state who were fans of Len Dawson who died at the age of 87. And by the way, did a fantastic job before there was all of this television uh, coverage of the National Football League he and nick modicani did inside the nfl on hbo for years and that was kind of must-go because you didn't even have Sports Center, And so in the middle of the week on HBO, you'd see these two giving the highlights from every single game. And that was your first opportunity to see them.
5: That's so awesome. Yeah. I'm sure I can't even imagine how fun that would have been to be able to see it all at once.
4: Right. And, yeah, your first, first opportunity. Time. And you say, wow, man, that guy's great. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. It is Wednesday, and it's time for Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN.
4: provide the advice
5: and cousin Carrie
4: all right I like that a lot good
5: cousin Carrie knows what he's talking about oh yeah
4: he's been around you know
5: he's uh he's a Super Bowl champion
4: right and a Super Bowl champion in life
5: you're talking championship caliber advice Mm -hmm. and I was also there
4: good love that (laughs)
5: okay Randy are you back are you back in the saddle are you ready to dish out some advice you're another year older officially Yeah,
4: right so I even have more wisdom and yeah I'm prepared to provide any sort of advice that people are asking about
5: okay from the 636 dear uncle Randy I asked out the barista at my local coffee shop Mm -hmm. and after a few dates it's not a love connection is there a way to stop seeing her without having to find a new coffee shop to frequent
4: yes just say hey i really like you i enjoy the friendship but i'm not feeling the spark here is it okay if we're just friends and you're my barista i think that's cool <laughs> friends own it
5: can you just go back to being my barista i don't like you romantically
4: <laughs> well yeah i don't know if you throw in just go back to being my barista but hey I, I, you I, make
5: a better cup yeah. of coffee than you do a yeah. life partner yep
4: yeah i really like you and you're cool but i just don't see myself loving you
5: <laughs> brutal true you're likable not lovable that's, but man i love i love the coffee that you make the yeah. design on top so good that's the best way
6: to do it that's just being honest yeah that's the only that's the only way to get through life right and the just other option it, hey, listen this i'm not going to fall in love with you i'm sorry there's no, that's, not, insul- got, that's not insulting this is why i
5: think this sweet baby Jesus that there is a female voice on this. You do not say to her, I'm not going to fall in love with you. She's going to spit in your coffee.
4: Well, that's why you, I, I was going to say plan B no. is to go to one of the other million coffee shops. No, no, no. no, no. Spit you, your j- coffee.
5: you just said, because you're telling her she's not lovable. You just oh. say... I'm not ready for something serious right now. I think you're great. There, I, I think you're such a wonderful person. I love spending time with you at the coffee shop every morning. But I have realized that I am not ready for something serious. And, and then you say, cannot well, bring your new girlfriend into the coffee she's shop. She's
4: going to say to herself, then why the hell did
5: he ask me out? Because you... And then she's going to
4: spit in his coffee.
5: No, 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 no. You, But you cannot say, I'm not going to fall in love with you.
4: No, it's... I'm not going to phrase exactly like I can't like see that. myself.
2: Yes. No, no, no.
5: That's the same thing.
2: Is it? See this is the difference women She's going to absorb
5: it the same way and that means I don't think that you're lovable. I'm not going to love you. You just need to say you need to put it all on yourself. I thought I had just got out of something serious. I thought I was ready. I am not. If I was going to be ready with anybody, it's a wonderful woman like you.
6: Why, why sugarcoat? But I
5: am not ready.
6: Why sugarcoat it and, and kind of almost tell a lie? You're not going to see this person again. I say yes, be one hundred. Yes, He's percent- going to see
5: her every single morning. That's the whole point. Yeah, just,
6: just at the coffee shop. You're not being rude. You're being honest. Clearly, I don't think- you
5: don't and- go to coffee shops because you chat up your barista every day. I don't.
6: Chat up people. Duron at, at the Starbucks and
5: Creve Corps. Talk to Duran all the time. He's wonderful. We talk, we talk baseball. Listen, you talk to your barista. This is a relationship that you don't then, want to burn the bridge yeah. of.
4: I worked early the, morning food service. Get in, get out. I uh, don't my, chat me up. Un- Uncle Randy would suggest then it's gonna be uncomfortable either way. You aren't gonna win here. It's gonna be uncomfortable, so find a new coffee
5: shop. <laughs> That's a really tough ask. I'm as someone who is has a debilitating addiction to coffee. You like your one spot. I'm sorry. You like your spot. might find one better. You won't. Might get a curing. You might find a better girl. You're not going to find a better cup of joe.
6: You <laughs> might find a better girl.
5: I'm just, I'm being honest. You get addicted to the routine. You like your, think about the orders that people have. A double pump with a dash of this and, and froth it up. Like Everyone has their very hyper-specific way that they like coffee. And when you find a place that you really like, you. it's part of the routine. But Michelle...
4: Yes, it'll be part of the routine, but there's no way it'll ever be comfortable again.
5: Uh, see, I think you can finesse it. I think as long as you just say, listen, I thought I was ready. I'm not. You are wonderful. <laughs> and I will see you tomorrow morning oh, for, yeah. a, for a chat yeah. and a when, coffee.
4: When we wake up. Oh,
5: no, no, no. For a chat and a coffee. Rangel. For a chat and a coffee, Rangel. Rangel, no. I am just saying. Okay. Don't... Don't tell her it's about her. Divergent opinions here. Normally, I would say, be honest, we have coffee at the daycare.
4: (laughs) Yeah.
6: Wait, so if this person was just like the wager set, like an Applebee's, you would say, just be 100% honest, just tell them you're not going to love them? Oh, I didn't realize this was 100% just a coffee qualifier.
5: Well, did you listen to the question? (laughs) He says, I don't, this is, I mean, we have to listen, people. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. People
6: people are professional. My expectation is that they're not going to spit in my coffee or be rude just because a date didn't go exactly how we expected. It did not work that way. Oh, come on.
5: From the 309, Dear Uncle Randy and Aunt Michelle i just got a job in new hampshire i live on congratulations yeah great spot i live on the illinois side of st louis how do i break this to my family that i'm moving across the country by the way i'm still going to listen to both of you on the app
4: oh thank you very much for listening on the app and my suggestion would be whether it is a job or not say hey i got a great opportunity in new hampshire and i'm really i love you guys but this is something that, for my well-being and what's best for my life, I have to do, and so I'm going to move to New Hampshire. But we can Facetime anytime.
5: Yeah, you just tell them this is this is a great opportunity. I am going to miss you guys. I yeah. love you guys. But I I always think too, if you say, you know, I'm going to come back, yeah. so that your family doesn't think that they think that this is temporary, not permanent. Mm-hmm. Even though it might end up being permanent, you got to give them that glim, glimmer of hope. Yeah, and you, you might, might want to fly back.
4: home every six months to see the kids. Yeah,
5: why not? Randy. <laughs> Randy. It
4: works. <laughs> I'm just
5: Randy. joking. Now, listen, it depends on what part of New Hampshire because Lake Winnipesaukee, mm. gorge. Other parts mm. of New Hampshire, very remote. Do you know the, the mm. state saying of New Hampshire? You know how St. Louis is a show live me Live for or your mi- die? Live for your die, yes. Thank you very much. Missouri is the show me state. Yeah. They're live free or die.
4: Oh, well, man. I hope they get to
6: live free.
5: Pretty me. aggressive. Live yeah. free or die. Yeah. I mean, gr- the old I days. love my freedom too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I love my freedom, but.
6: Roughly 230 years old. Live free
5: or die. Okay, this one's kind of long. Okay. From the 314. Dear Uncle Randy, I need help.
4: That's what uh, we're here for.
5: SOS. I have a buddy that's been my best friend since fifth grade. We're 30 years old now. Okay. He makes really good money. My problem is he wants to do stuff all the time, like going to sports, sports games, travel, etc. But I can't afford it because I live paycheck to paycheck. He's cool with paying my way because he does so well. But I constantly feel like a mooch. What should I do or how should I feel?
4: Because of what your relationship is, and you've been best friends since you were in fifth grade. So that means you were 10 years old. Here we are 20 years after that. He's doing this not as a new friend. He's doing it as, as an old friend. Treat this as if you're going to you're 6th graders rather than 5th graders and you're just going over to his house and there will be an opportunity for you to reciprocate in the future and you can do heartfelt things for him that maybe you can't afford but you, you have him over for beers and to watch road games and stuff like that mm-hmm. and make sure that you can do something for him but you are his best friend and the reason that he's asking you and the reason that he's paying is because you are his best friend and he if he's anything like me i think he would rather go to the games with you and pay than not go to the games or go with somebody else that is paying their way
5: i couldn't agree more i understand both sides of this i understand you feeling like you're at a deficit somehow in this friendship because your mm-hmm. friend is paying for things and you feel badly about it. But it probably brings him so much joy an immeasurable amount of joy that you can't put a price tag on to be able to not only have these experiences with his best friend since grade school, mm-hmm. but be able to treat you. I know f- for me, if I was in the position of the, the friend with the money, I would rather pay my friend's way and be able to spend that quality mm-hmm. time and have those mutual experiences together. And I don't think he would continue to invite you if it Bothered him to pay exactly, and I also don't think that he's going unless he will say at some point make comments about money. I don't think he's looking for you to pay him back either. You know what I mean? No, I,
4: I feel the same same way. So yeah, just be friends. I mean that that's a rare commodity to have somebody that was a friend has been a friend since fifth grade. So the fact that you still have it at the age of thirty that's that's rare. So enjoy it.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what would you rather have a friend that is it going to take you to do awesome right. things <laughs> and like
4: i said you can give him great like i said road game cardinals are on the road in whatever pittsburgh in the last few games of the season when albert's at 6.99 have him over to your place and uh you know order in some pizza and watch albert hit number
5: 700 against the pirates yeah and when you go out places you can buy a round of beers yeah, or exactly. you can contribute in different ways yeah From the 314, last one, Uncle Randy. Dear Uncle Randy, I have a teenage girl who constantly cuts through my yard with her dog, which is normally fine, but I've been finding dog poop back there. Can I throw a water balloon at her?
4: No, but you can say, young lady, could you please pick up your dog's mess when it messes in our yard? And actually explain to her the concept of poop bags. It's rude to take your dog through somebody's yard and have it poop. So yeah, just... uh, tell her what proper protocol is she's a teenager and she might not know her parents may not have told her so explain to her the concept and, and just be nice about it and say hey uh, very cute dog can I pet it and say hey I noticed that the, a dog has been pooping in my yard can you please if your dog poops in my yard pick it up
5: yeah I'm not mad just pick it up yeah so but and don't then throw if a if it water happens, balloons at her because then, no, then you're gonna no. have an angry parent on your doorstep
4: right especially a frozen water balloon
5: oh yikes. yeah they
4: kind of hurt Yikes! so yeah no don't throw a water balloon at her and don't take for granted that people know what proper dog courtesy is
5: when's the last time you threw a water balloon
4: well been a minute it's Same. been a long time
5: little things like that that you do as a as a kid you take for granted you don't realize that as you get older oh, so much fun there's no water balloons there's no field day there's a no water balloon action no. Like it's infinitely more boring. We need
0: to have
6: a one on one ESPN field day. See, only be, that's what I was about to say. Only because we let it. We have all the mo- you have yeah. money now to go buy water balloons. I can go buy one of those special little spigots that you twist on that you always wanted to make it easier to fill it up. I could go buy that now. But for some reason, I don't have water balloon fights. I don't know why. Now you can do vodka balloons. Yeah, exactly. Ex- exactly. See, Randy's thinking outside the box.
5: I don't want to do field day with our teammates. We're talking professional athletes. Hey, We're not going to win. We're not going to win. I'm just saying. Like if we did a... field day us 101 ESPN versus the point versus mm-hmm. KG versus the arch etc I like our chances. <laughs> but if we're going 101 ESPN field day show to show I love you both but we're not winning. No, w- the fast lane is winning.
4: Uh, yeah. yeah they probably The fast lane are. is
5: winning field day. Well You've got a professional hockey player, professional baseball player. Anthony and Marsh both played sports. Marsh played in college. Did Anthony play sports in college? I forget. He
4: played high school football. He was a like all-state safety. I know he was
5: really good. So really I'm good. sorry, we're, we're losing.
4: Well, first of all, Thompson's not going to be there. <laughs> <laughs>
5: I think he would show up for this one. He's
6: competitive.
4: <laughs> So, but field days are fun. Maybe we just need to take a trip to Six Flags or something.
5: We like need that. to make sure that there's some sort of a trivia element to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, there you go. We could just make sure that maybe we stack the yeah. games in our favor.
4: I like that idea.
5: Okay, now we're thinking. We're okay. thinking
4: outside
6: the
5: box. But yeah, if water balloons, Brad Thompson's throwing water balloons at us, we're toast. <laughs> we're toast. It's true. It's true, yeah. Yeah,
4: that sinker will hit us in the in the shin.
5: <laughs> Here's the thing. If Randy, <laughs> Catch you right on the ball <laughs> the ankle. Oh It's still gonna tag you. Yeah, it is. Still right? gonna hit you. Yeah. Uh, if we do anything with running, I think I could outrun them. And I'm not faster than them, but I think longevity wise, okay, yeah, I got them beat. I got them beat. So that's one advantage. Okay. We're
4: on a roll
6: here. So this we've got good.
5: one advantage athletically. <laughs> one. Maybe. Maybe one. Maybe one.
4: <laughs> thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Next up, as the Cardinals head down the stretch here, which players resurgent is the most important between now and the playoffs? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: is gone. Tyler O'Neill with a two-run shot. Three-nothing Cardinals. And Tommy lifts a high fly ball. Left center. Gone. An opposite field home run. Tommy Edmond with home run number nine. And the Cardinals have hit three long balls tonight.
4: Nice to get home runs from Tyler O'Neill and Tommy Edmund last night in the 13-3 win over the Cubs in the second game of the doubleheader. And O'Neill and Edmund have struggled at least for portions of the season. Edmund has had some great moments. O'Neill has struggled for most of the season. But Michelle, when we look at the Cardinals as they head down the stretch and head towards the playoffs... Which cardinal resurgence to you is the most important between O'Neill, who has struggled for most of the year and been hurt a lot of the year, Tommy Edman, who has not been the same in the second half, and Jack Flaherty, who we have yet to see this year?
5: You can make a case for any of these yeah. three. I Randy. should say
4: Flaherty in any extended action. We Correct. See him a little
5: bit. Correct. I know what you meant. And uh, you can make it, You can, like I said, you can make a case for any of these three guys. But I think when you're talking playoffs... What did Mike Shannon tell you, Randy, about how how you win a World Series? What the most important components are for a team in order to win?
4: The three most important components are pitching, pitching, and pitching. Big boy. Yeah.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Which is why the obvious answer for me is Jack Flaherty. If you get a healthy Jack Flaherty that even has glimmers of the Jack Flaherty we saw in the second half of 2019, the absolute dominance, you know what a weapon he is. And when you think about the opposition that you're going to be facing in the playoffs, think about the pitching lineups that they have. The Their rotations are locked down with the, the Mets and the Dodgers. If you can add Jack Flaherty to Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis, and Jordan Montgomery, and, and Quintana has, has been a, a great pickup for the Cardinals too, but you have questions about Dakota Hudson, even though Jake Woodford was good last night, you still don't know if that That's a spot that he's ready for. If you could get Jack Flaherty back in that mix, it changes your fortunes completely.
4: And I look at it from this angle. Albert Pujols and Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado are their ice cream and and their chocolate sauce. If you get Tyler O'Neill and Tommy Edmond, that's whipped cream and cherry stuff. Mm -hmm. Cardinals lead baseball in the second half at 5.8 runs a game. So even with those guys not performing at the highest level, the Cardinals offense is great. As a matter of fact, for the whole year, the Cardinals are third in baseball in runs per game at 4.88. Only the Dodgers and Yankees score more per game than the Cardinals do. And the Yankees, by the way, have taken a big hit in August. But I don't think the offense is the issue here. And if there is an issue, and by the way, the pitching has been sensational for the last 10 times, last two trips through the rotation, but... I always want more pitching because you can never have enough pitching, and I really do believe if, if you get O'Neal and Edmond going, it might just be unfair for the rest of baseball.
5: So you're picking two?
4: I'm, I'm going with Flaherty. I'm, oh,
5: you're going with Flaherty. Yeah. I, I, don't, okay.
4: I don't think you necessarily need O'Neal and Edmond to, to have that resurgence for your offense to be great, because it already is.
5: So shout pick- out, shout out Jeff Albert? Yes. We haven't done that enough, by the way. No.
4: The offense has been really
5: strong, and we have not given Jeff Albert his flowers. Whenever the offense has been inconsistent, everybody cracks the mics or they head to Twitter to rip Jeff out. Mm -hmm. Jeff Albert, he's been a punching bag in this town. The offense has been great, so we need to say, well done, Jeff Albert. Well,
4: let's look at it this way.
5: If you're going to say it's all because of Albert instructing people, I'll let you.
4: (laughs) Jeff Albert turned Albert Pools into a great hitter.
5: Whoa.
4: What? What, what do we have for Albert Pujols? 158 and 188 for a couple of months there?
6: Yep. yep right? Yep. He's, he has uh, the, the greatest plus 40 stretch ever in baseball history. Yeah. Seven home runs in 10 games. So... 1,200 OPS
4: yeah, across go. 10 games, which is something there. he never did. Yep. Or 1,300 OPS. At the end of the day, though, here's my point. I swear to God. If you get Jack Flaherty, you're getting, when healthy, one of the top five starters in the National League. You're getting an ace. Yeah. You're getting a guy that... If he is on, and he is what he was in 2019 or at the beginning of 2021, the Cardinals throw... Tw- they, they didn't even let him pitch in 2020. Right. Throw everything about 2020 out the window. But if you can get that guy... Including
5: the Dodgers championship? Yes. Okay. It's gone. <laughs> I mean... Okay. See ya.
4: Fine.
6: Oof.
5: We just punted it like Baxter off the bridge. It's out. <laughs> Baxter. I'm in a glass case of emotion. <laughs> Baxter. <laughs>
4: Uh, But if you have, and obviously it'll only be four or five at the most starts, but if you see Jack Flaherty for four or five starts be great, and he has to pitch against Max Scherzer at the beginning of a playoff series, don't you feel pretty
5: good about competing in that playoff series? I would be so nervous. Yeah. Yeah.
4: It would be a close game.
5: No, 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 no. I mean, I the entirety of the postseason, anytime Jack Flaherty gets the ball, yeah. I would be nervous because we just haven't seen that version of him for a long time. He right. could have a couple starts and look absolutely dominant when it comes to the playoffs. I would just be nervous. I would be nervous. But he could be the X factor for the yeah, playoffs.
4: That's the thing. He, he could
5: be the difference maker.
4: His abilities are there. Would I predict it? No. But is the... Has the physical ability been there in the past?
1: Absolutely.
5: Yes, it has. But I would just be worried about health. But you know what? Just like when he came back during the season and everyone was saying he should have gotten another rehab store, if he's saying that he's healthy, you have to know what you have in him. You have to unleash him at some point.
4: And he is providing velocity so far in this rehab stint that he didn't show in his last rehab stint. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Take it or leave it is coming your way on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's take it or leave it with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing.
4: All right, it is time for Take It or Leave It here on 101 ESPN. And the Cardinals, Michelle, working their way through what turned out to be a pretty easy part of their schedule. We didn't expect that the Brewers and the Yankees series would be what they were, but they wound up being what they were. And in those six games against those two teams, the Cardinals won five out of six. So the Cardinals head to the series this weekend against Atlanta here at the ballpark. Take it or leave it, the Cardinals win two of three from the defending world champions.
5: Ooh, that's a tough one. But I'm going to take it.
4: I am too. They've I'm got some some lollipops.
5: Why not? That's what we do here on this show. We have yeah. a positive outlook. And with the, the way the team is playing, I wouldn't put it past them at all.
4: I wouldn't either. And they're, the, the way things are going, and as Mike Claiborne said yesterday, the, the eye test tells you that things are going pretty well. Now, are the Cardinals going to have their hands full? Yes. They get Spencer Strider, who I think struck out a million Cardinals last time he faced them. He'll a million? Go against, yeah, a million.
5: Is that an official stat?
4: Yeah, official. Bulletin, apparently official. Uh, So that's the Friday night game. Strider against Quintana. And then on Saturday, you've got Charlie Morton against Jordan Montgomery. Who do you like in that one? Charlie Morton has found it again, by the way. He's pitching great, but that should be a great game. And then on Sunday night baseball, you've got Jake Odorizzi from Highland, Illinois, against Adam Wainwright. So Cardinals will have a chance. Should be a low-scoring series.
5: I can't wait to see them versus a legitimate World Series contender. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's going to be a good barometer as to what this team really is.
4: Yeah. And this is going to be an Atlanta team that we're going to see for the next six, seven years. I think everybody's under contract, so they're, 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 they're going to be around, you know.
5: Okay, Randy. So Albert pools has been rocking and rolling. 693. He is cranking them out. We know that the chase for 700 is on. I was looking at the schedule last night, trying to determine when I think Albert might be able to get it done. As you mentioned, Atlanta this weekend, but then you have Cincinnati, you have Chicago, you have Washington, you have Pittsburgh. Okay, those are your next series after the Braves. Okay. Then you have two versus Milwaukee. Then you have a five-game set versus Cincinnati before it, uh, you face the the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Brewers again.
4: Is that Red Series here, the
5: five-game? It five is. Game? It is. I was just going to say, take it or leave it. Albert hits 700 before the Cardinals face the the Padres and the Dodgers in mid-September, which is on the road.
4: I'm going to take that.
5: I was, I was like, it feels like it should be a home series, but mm-hmm. they, they have opponents and pitchers that he should feast off yes, of. Yes, they do. So I think he gets it done before they head to the West Coast. That's
4: incredible that we could be considering that possibility. But we both agree, right?
5: <laughs> it just feels like he has to get it done yeah, at home.
4: I agree with you. No doubt.
5: So that that's the series that I've circled, September 15th through the 18th versus the Reds at Bush Stadium.
4: All right, your text six five seven eight zero, Matthew Rocchio. What do you got for us? Yeah, one of those is a doubleheader, isn't it? It,
5: mm-hmm. it is yeah, because yeah. of the rain. Because out. of the rainout, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be at one of those games Saturday. Oh, I, oh
6: sweet! Uh, now I really hope you're. Right. I was going to disagree, but no, I'm throwing any objectivity out of the out of the window. I'm with you a hundred percent on this. A Saturday doubleheader? Did you say? What, it what is day? Saturday. Yeah, okay. day night. Okay, yeah. so
5: 12-15 first pitch, and then a 1st Go six
4: fifteen late night left handed pitcher. All righty. What we need to do is take a look at the schedule. Well, we'll figure
6: it out. Map out the lefties? Yeah, I'm ahead of you. Uh, take it or leave it. When the Cardinals win the World Series this year, Wayno decides to retire on top, meaning that there will be yet another World Series victory that is a net negative. Mm, yeah, I'll take
5: it. I'm going to leave it. If Adam Wainwright wins the World Series, he is looking at a repeat, and he's coming back.
4: Two things about Adam Wainwright. Number one, he's addicted to competition. Yes, he is. And number two, He understands the value of his platform in helping save the world. He legitimately wants to save the world and understands what value there is in being a St. Louis Cardinal, in enhancing the visibility of big league impact and literally doing things to
5: save the world. And he's in competition with himself Mm -hmm. at this point. And he's, he's thought Hall of Fame. And he knows if he has another year like this one, he's just furthering that case right but i think if they win the world series that will be a tough decision for him because there is the thought of spending more time with his family and retiring on top going the the elway route is always appealing
4: and one thing that we don't think about a lot in sports when you have a 40 41 year old guy especially with albert and or uh, albert and, and yachty leaving is it's hard for a forty-one-year-old guy to be in a clubhouse with a bunch of twenty-five-year-old guys? Yeah, because there is a major generation gap there. Adam mm-hmm. Rao, now we've we talk to him every week, and he loves to go out and play golf. He can't find people to play golf with.
5: I know on the road. Everybody's playing video games now. Yeah, it's
4: it's, it's relaxing. The AC
5: and everything.
6: Uh, take it or leave it. Tatis Junior's apology was worse than A Rod's.
5: Uh, I'm no, going leave that. No.
4: A Rod's was the worst.
5: <laughs> yeah, and at least Tatis said that he let everybody down he, you know he yeah. takes it was his fault he's taking somewhat of a risk of a responsibility angle but whatever
4: that was <laughs> did you see the uh the That's Derek the Jeter thing. the the captain piece about w- with that press conference with A-Rod's press conference
5: I haven't finished the captain yet
4: okay can I give you a spoiler here yeah go ahead because when they show it and that the whole team is there and Jeter says nobody wanted to be there I mean it wow. was and they they were all there with real dour faces. Sure. They didn't want to be there supporting Arod for that. No. And the whole team was.
5: Gosh. And they just
4: looked like we want to be anywhere else but here. Brutal. Yeah. They should
6: DH Yadi. they should DH for Yachty whenever Wayno is on the mound. I like the idea there. I'm taking it. Give 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 Wayno like one game where he just takes Yachty's spot in the lineup. Oh. I'm with it. I know I know Maybe would love it. Maybe one at bat. I'm with it. No.
5: Leave. I don't want him getting injured at all.
4: He can get injured
5: pitching. I know, but I That's don't Imagine how happy it would make Adam. I don't want him getting hit by a pitch. I don't want him running to first and carrying an Achilles. He already did that. Rupturing a hammy. I know, I don't want it.
4: <laughs> Tell him not to run. That's
6: he is you know, kind he is batting point. for Yachty, just you know, keep it consistent. Why not? Uh Taterly, when Albert hits his seven hundred, the person who catches it will pretty much get whatever he or she wants for it
5: oh my gosh can you imagine Mm. if you're the one imagine trying to get out of the stadium with that ball well you know that when 700 is on deck that there's going to be security guards at every exit trying to find somebody who's going to flee with the ball Mm -hmm. what's your asking price if you get the ball I've thought about this if I get the ball if you get the ball if I'm giving it to Albert What? for free yeah what his. Well, he, he better it's his hope he better hope that you catch the ball yeah,
4: because nobody's going to buy that ball now. After the recent history of buying baseballs, nobody's going to spend money on it. And it's, it's not a record breaker.
5: It. I'm getting something for it.
4: Really? It's I mean, when you look at what happened with the McGuire ball and the Sosa ball and but the you Bonds don't, ball, you
5: don't think that the Cardinals might want that for the Cardinal Hall of Fame?
4: I'll, I'll give it to, and if he wants to give it to them, that's fine. I would give it to him. His achievement.
5: Yeah, I do really like Albert too. I might just give it to him. You got that ball over forty thousand
6: people
4: right? in That's your achievement. No, he. If it's his seventh, seven hundredth home run, I'm giving it to him.
5: I might want some. Jim
4: Forneris, great, Saint Louis.
5: Some monetary, something monetarily though.
4: Really? You could just get tickets or something. Cardinals will probably give you tickets.
5: You could get more, more than that.
4: See, I'm not in it to get rich. I'm not. I'm, I'm in it to enjoy the game and hope that uh, albert can experience happiness in this is final season i wouldn't want to I, I wouldn't want to detract from his happiness by profiting off of his achievements
5: you know what i want if i get the ball season tickets in the green seats
4: you a pretty good deal
5: i've never sat in the green seats ever so that is that Did is you have no that is i have what'd you say yes you have oh i have well cardboard me has sat in the green <laughs> oh. seats and she had a great time with you, Randy. <laughs> cardboard Michelle, cardboard Randy, balled out. <laughs> we
4: had a great time. Uh, thanks to Matthew, thanks to you, and thanks to uh, all of your tech, 65780. The head coach of the University of Illinois, Brett Bielma, and his squad get underway against Wyoming on Saturday here on 101 ESPN. The coach is coming up here on Carricker and Smallman.
2: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. And on Saturday. The Illinois Fighting Illini football team will open up their season against Wyoming. We'll have the pregame for you at 2.30 here on 101 ESPN. We're looking forward to that. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And the head coach of the Fighting Illini, Brett Bielma, joins us as he does most weeks during the season. Coach, always good to have you with us. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Randy. Thank you. How are you been? Everything's terrific, and we're really excited. How's camp gone for you?
1: You know what? We've uh, been very excited. we we uh... Fortunately, I think because of the way we condition, prepare, and recruit, I think we uh, had one of our most healthy uh, camps since I've been a part as head coach, for sure, that aspect, Um, and and then we're heading into the... Uh, game this Saturday we're finally in the game week I think everybody's excited to play somebody besides ourselves
5: (laughs) absolutely coach and I know during camp a lot of people were focused on the quarterback battle and you mentioned that you're not going to name a starting quarterback prior to the game versus Wyoming but tell us what you've seen out of Tommy DeVito and Art Sikowski excuse me that has impressed you so far
1: you know Michelle I think uh, two things Uh, you know both of them are kind of different guys they're both jersey guys by nature but um they, they both have different demeanors, personalities, but they both have really um, built a relationship that I think is pretty cool to see them interact, work together, watch film together, uh, do that, participate for you know the starting job. But um, both of them also uh, probably as playing as good a football as I've seen them play since I've had them. Obviously, Art's been here for over a year, but uh, Tommy just joined us in the spring. Both of them have really grasped the offense, uh, really adapted well with their teammates and, and overall. Uh, are playing at a level that uh, is, is at a high, high level for us. Coach,
4: when we've watched your really good teams play in the past, there's, there's a Brett Bielma personality to a football team. There's no doubt about it. You talked about recruiting and the, the off season. How close is your group right now to having the personality that you like to implement?
1: You know, um, it's it's a work in progress for sure, Randy. But I, w- I would say this, like um, – I think we know our team better than ever. I think they know us, right? So communication is a two-way street. And um, I think without a doubt, this building is, is communicating at a level that is, is higher than it's ever been. Um, uh, not, not just the things that are said, but also the unseen and the unsaid, right? Like, you know what I'm doing before I do it. And uh, vice versa, as players, we can really concentrate on their strengths, try to minimize their weaknesses. So, uh, and we like to have fun. I'm, I'm being serious. Like, I, you know, the first time we ever played this game, wasn't because it was in front of 100,000 on TV. It was because somebody put a ball on the field and said, let's play. And and I think our guys reflect that daily.
4: And by the way, people that might not be aware of Brett Bielma's past, I've always thought of your teams as really rugged, really tough, really uh, nose bloodying football. And, and that hasn't changed, has it?
1: You know, uh, I think we're still going to be a tough, uh, smart, dependable team. It's part of our DNA. We always talk about it. Mental and physical toughness is at the premium for us. But I will tell you, you come to, to, to Memorial this weekend, you know, you put up a, 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 buy a ticket and get in the stadium. I think you're going to like what you see. It's a, it's a very uh, different look for us. I think offensively, defensively, we're exciting and bring a lot of pressure. I'm trying to add some things in a kicking game that hopefully bring a little bit of excitement. We are trying to make this Memorial stadium as loud as it's ever been. And, and, you know, I know it's just a small step in the right direction, but we've got a lot of positives going into our building. Um, obviously Last year, the, you know, I didn't want to finish with a 5-7 and seven record, but there were some things that we did that gave you an indication of what's to come, and I think we've continued to build on that.
5: Coach, I was watching your pressure, and you said that this group of guys is very special and that you think it's going to be one of those types of years. What have you seen out of this team that makes you believe that it's going to be one of those types of years?
1: Well, when I say that, um, everybody automatically goes uh, to wins and losses, uh, but... Um, You know, I would tell you that, you know, obviously I've been able and fortunate enough to win three Big Ten championships, and those seasons uh, are very special. They're actually going to get remembered this year. I've been invited to to, uh, kind of an unusual deal. I've been invited to Madison to uh, participate in, uh, you know, three three straight Rose Bowl teams. Um, But um, some of the more memorable times were teams that maybe had some struggles that we persevered through, or maybe they were teams that overachieved from where people thought they were going to be. When I'm saying that, I just like. Everybody sees you as a football coach, Texas, and wins and losses. But uh, for me, it's the personal stories along the way. It's the it's the battles of of the um, unknown and the and, and the things that no one ever really knows that people went through. Those those are special. But I also do think this team, if they play the way they're capable of playing, uh, if we're fortunate enough to stay healthy at the right positions. Uh, I do think we can get some wins on the board. It'll be fun to watch.
5: Well, with that being said, Coach, as we sit here on the precipice of the season, if it's if it's not completely about wins and losses, what would you consider to be a successful 2022-2023 campaign for your team?
1: Well, first, got to look up precipices.
5: <laughs> we're we're <laughs> right on the edge, Coach. You know, I have that I'm Illinois education. Here. i got to throw I, the big words out I there. I know.
1: That's where i going with it. That's where I'm going with it. Exactly going for it. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm excited to see the new guys play, right? Like, as a head coach, you're always – Anxious about the things you've seen in practice, but until you've seen it happen in the stadium, uh, that that's that's one thing. But also, um, Michelle and Randy, just like all of us, right in our our jobs and our profession, you get better at what you do with time, right? And a lot of times, that that success and that growth is based off of failures or learning experiences along the way. And, and I'm really excited to see guys like uh, you know Sydney uh, and Chase Brown, who were good players a year ago, but I think they're better than ever. I'm excited to watch you know Alex Palcho, uh, that. Uh, is going to go down as one of hopefully the most career starts in the history of college football. Um, uh, Just a little thing, but a big thing, Isaiah Williams, you know, last year, I know he's a St. Louis product, right? Like he's a guy that last year he was pretty good at wideout, but what he's doing right now uh, is, is, I think, going to take his level of play to another game. And uh, Reggie Love, who hasn't had, Much storyline here yet. You know he's had his best camp, playing his best football. Another St. Louis kid that we're excited to get out on the field and see what happens.
4: And coach, we always keep an eye on those guys. And I noted that Isaiah has been named a captain for your team, which is a big deal.
1: Randy, he is. um, uh, It's just awesome. Uh, It just goes shows you know the the people that he came from, his his family, uh, his coaches, all the people that made him who he is today. Uh, I'm very proud of what he's done on the field. But he gave a talk uh, right in the middle of summer that I think propelled him to this to the vote that made him a captain um he just uh, as a young man that has a tremendous amount of pride in who he is what he is and what he what he has become and more importantly what he will be in the future and um, his leadership skills his demeanor his personality uh his faith his belief uh, it's just an awesome thing to watch and witness and on top of that i think he's a really good player
5: Coach, you have Wyoming this weekend. We're going to be carrying the game here on 101 ESPN on Saturday with pregame starting at 2.30 p.m. When you look at this Wyoming team, what challenges do they pose?
1: You know, Michelle, their head coach has won championships at the highest level. Um, was an assistant at Nebraska and won, won national championships. Uh, he's been a head coach that's won uh, national championships on, on multiple uh, occasions. Um, and then his run here at Wyoming has been unprecedented in their success. So they're a very well-coached team. Um, they did lose some guys to the portal and also to the NFL last year. So, uh, but they have gone out and recruited very well. So uh, offensively, they like to definitely run the football, uh, play behind their pads, play physical. Defensively, they are going to be sound. They're going to try to stop the run. They're going to definitely, you know, do some fundamental things that are very apparent on film. And uh, it's it's going to be a tremendous challenge for us. I know everybody, uh, you know, when you don't see a Big Ten opponent on uh, non-power five, they they do it. But to me, they're very. Very comparable, not by the way they play, but the same type of demeanor that UTSA came in here uh, a year ago. They're a good football team that expects to win on every occasion.
4: Hey, Brett, you have 12 guys that have come in through the transfer portal. For you and your staff, what's been the biggest challenge in adapting to the, the new rules of college football that include the transfer portal?
1: You know, Randy, on the front end of it, um, I hired a personnel staff. Josh Whitman, our AD, gave us the opportunity. I brought in a guy by the name of Jay Kaiser. Uh, retain pat emilton uh, two guys in my personnel department to kind of man the portal we literally uh, we've, we've assigned three people now to the portal that watch it um uh, morning noon and night and everywhere in between i remember last last fall getting a call or i'm sorry early in uh, the recruiting process uh, in the spring like in february getting a call at 11 o'clock where a kid just hit the portal and we could contact him and i did right um we literally watch it on a daily basis we also pre-track uh, portal guys so anybody It's from the state of Illinois, anybody from the St. Louis area, somewhere that we hit heavily. If they go somewhere else, we definitely keep all their information, their film on file. And if that opportunity ever comes for them to jump in that portal and we want them, we want to be able to hit the ground running when that happens.
4: And, obviously, it has had a, a big effect on you guys, and we're wishing the best for the 2022 Illini, the F-A-M-I-L-L-Y. the fa- yeah. the family. The family. Fam hey, look, we're looking forward to the game on Saturday and looking forward to the, the season, Coach. Thanks so much for the time. Good to hear your voice. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate it. I-L-L.
5: I and I Coach. Go get them.
4: See you later. That is the head coach of the Fighting Illini, Brett Bielma, here with Carriker and Swoman.
5: I really want Illinois football to be good. <laughs> I just I talked to Coach Bielma, we had this conversation with him, and I think he's the guy that could get him there. Illinois fans have have wanted a a dominant football program for a long time. And I just I get I get really excited when we're at the beginning of a season because that's just something we've wanted for for forever. Forever. Seriously forever.
4: So they're opening up the offense a little bit. They uh-huh. uh, they have some continuity now defensively with Ryan Walters. As we mentioned, they brought in a dozen transfer players. The conference is always going to—their the, side of the conference doesn't compare to the one that has Ohio State in it. No.
2: It never will. No.
4: But I could absolutely see them— Based on what I saw last year and their ascent last year, yeah. can I see them beating Iowa and Minnesota out and Northwestern and Wisconsin? I could. I could see Illinois winning the West.
5: But here's the the issue historically with Illinois teams is that you go beat a ranked Penn State team on the road mm-hmm. and then the following week you lose to Rutgers.
4: And that is why it's so important to have the continuity of Bielma moving into a second and, and third year. Yes, Because they're going to play a brand of football that the other teams, most other teams in college football aren't prepared for. It's Everybody's now defending against the spread. And when you have to defend against teams that are going to pound on you for 60 minutes, it's not easy to prepare for when you don't see it on a regular basis.
5: Uh, that's why I think that he's got the the DNA and, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, implementing the personality of the team to take them where they want to go.
4: By the way, that's why Michigan was so good last year. Because Jim Harbaugh does the same thing, and you guys don't play Michigan until the championship game this year.
5: Oh, Randy, I like where your head's at.
4: That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And Did thanks. you see how
5: much that took me off guard? Yeah, yeah. I don't hear words like that often.
4: <laughs> and coming up next on 101 ESPN, uh, we asked ourselves which cardinal resurgence is the most important between now and the start of the playoffs in October. But what's most important for you? Is it Tyler O'Neill? Is it Tommy Edmond? Is it Jack Flaherty? Is it somebody else? That's next on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh take.
5: Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app
3: today.
4: character smallman on 101 ESPN. And the question of the day is, Michelle, which Cardinal player are you most in need of having a resurgence between now and the start of the playoffs in October? Is it Tyler O'Neill or Tommy Edmond and Jack Flaherty? We talked about it and got a lot of blowback actually on the text line because we were talking about Jack Flaherty. A lot of people don't think that Jack Flaherty is going to be able to pitch and I get that. They say, well, you guys are dealing with rose-colored glasses and michelle i look at not only the cardinals and i i hope and they hope that jack flaherty is back they're actually pretty confident about it jack flaherty has thrown 126 innings over the last uh, three years 2021, 20, 22 and the cardinals are counting on him jacob Degrom has thrown 173 over the last three years and the mets are counting on him mike soroka has thrown 13.2 over the last three years and the braves are counting on him dustin may has thrown uh, 84 innings over the last three years and the Dodgers are counting on him. It's part and parcel of baseball in 2022 that you're going to have injured pitchers coming back down the stretch and just because a guy hey let me, uh, I'll give you one, I'll give you one, uh, uh, innings, if you are going to count on a guy and you're saying well he hasn't thrown enough innings in the last however many years, we'll say three years for Jack Flaherty uh there was a stretch there in 2021, I'm sorry, 2020, 2019, 2022, or 2019 and 2020. Jordan Montgomery threw 48 innings because he was hurt. He pitched in a dozen games in 19 and 20, and then he's bounced back with 157, 140, 114, and uh, or yeah, 140 this year, 157 last year, after having 48 in the two years before that. It takes a while, but pitchers do rebound from injuries now, and it doesn't always work. And it's harder with shoulders with Flaherty, but it's not impossible.
5: It's not impossible. And the the question isn't in the question that we're posing isn't which one do we think is more likely. The question we're posing is which one would make the Cardinals more of a World Series contender: the resurgence of Tyler O'Neill, the resurgence of Tommy Edmond, or the resurgence of Jack Flaherty. And I think when you look at the ceiling of all three of those players, even though Tyler O'Neill was on an MVP type tear in the second half of last season. And you know that when he gets hot and we talked about this with Adam Wainwright, if, if Tyler O'Neill gets hot, he's the type of guy that can carry your offense. Mm-hmm. And we, we know what he could bring to this lineup and to this Cardinals offense. But I think if Jack Flaherty could come back and be healthy and be the, the type of dominant starting pitcher that we've seen. Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado have been outstanding for this offense. Albert Pujols has been outstanding for this offense. You're not gonna get Tyler O'Neill back at peak form and say that he's better right now as a hitter than any one of those three guys. Nope. If Jack Flaherty returns to form, he could be the ace of the staff. He, he could
4: be your best guy. He
5: could be the best pitcher that you possibly have. Do we think that's going to happen? TBD, I don't know. I'm not putting any stock in it, but we're saying if it does happen, he could be the biggest X factor for this Cardinals team as they get into the playoffs.
4: Diverging opinions from the 3-1-4. First one, if we get a healthy and resurgent Jack Flannerty contributing in September and October, that makes the Cardinals a legit World Series contender, but definitely not counting on it. And then from the 314, I have given up on Flaherty altogether. Resurgence of O'Neal would make cards certain series contender.
5: Hmm. So let's get
4: both of them to research.
5: Wouldn't that be great? It's just yeah. to get everybody clicking at once? That would be the dream, no? Yeah.
4: So it, what you want to have is to be able to get the the quality of Flaherty just in a flash. Get it for the end of September and October then after that don't worry about it
5: why not if you win the world series (laughs) so it doesn't matter what happens in the future right that is true though once you win the world series I know everyone's thinking repeat, but no, you could really take a deep breath and say we're good for a while. Mm -hmm. How about this one, Randy, from the 314? So, Randy and Michelle, you must not have paid attention to the past couple of postseasons for the Cardinals where they had a good rotation, but the offense couldn't score. So you're going to tell us that Jack Flaherty is going to make a difference. That's ludicrous. I've seen with my own eyes the offense struggle every postseason, even though the Cardinals have really good pitching.
4: How many postseason games have you seen Nolan Arenado play in a Cardinal uniform? One. Oh, okay. Well, that kind of changes things a little bit.
5: And he's the first to tell you that he didn't perform the way that he should have.
4: No, in that that, singular game. In that singular game, he wanted to do more. Yeah, and Goldie is historically, well, he he can hit anybody. And this year, he is hitting everybody. But if you look at Goldie's postseason career numbers, uh, 282 with a 975 OPS in the postseason pretty good. So you take that middle of the lineup, you hope that Albert can do what he's doing right now. We've seen Albert perform pretty well in the postseason in the past, and you just work with what you've got, and I think the Cardinals can put together some offense uh, against good pitching in the postseason. Are are they going to score 5.8 runs a game like they have since the All-Star break? No, that's not the way it works because everybody pitches in the postseason. That's how you win is because you have good pitching, but what you have to do is be able to get your bat on the ball. And the Cardinals have the best strikeout rate in the National League. And you have to be able to manufacture a run here and there.
5: From the 3-1-4, don't, don't sleep on Tommy Edmond, though. If you put that guy from the early part of the season back at leadoff, this offense would be unreal.
4: Yeah, if you could get him going at the top of the lineup. And then you'd probably hit Newt second. And then Goldie, Arenado, and then you can move Carlson down, Albert 5, Carlson 6. <laughs> you you can have some things. stuff going pretty good. Yeah, That
5: changes things. From the 618, Tyler O'Neill can affect every playoff game four to t- five times per game. That's true.
4: Yeah, he can. He can. But he's also got other guys to help him out. If Dakota Hudson is pitching and you have... Have the opportunity to have Jack Flaherty. It's a singular guy. There's nobody to help out that pitcher until Hudson gets knocked out in the third or fourth inning. Randy. Well, I'm just going by recent history. Sorry. <laughs> Not
5: wrong. <laughs> I mean, Randy. It,
4: think about Jack Flaherty and what you've seen in the playoffs from Jack Flaherty.
5: Well, if I'm going recent history from Jack Flaherty, I haven't seen anything.
4: But in the playoffs, when he's pitched, he's been pretty darn good. But I mean, I have to see at least
6: two consistent back-to-back starts from Flaherty oh, before yeah. this Before this answer for me would be him because I just can't I, I'm just too nervous about what he would look like in the playoffs or even getting only three yeah. starts in the regular season and then putting him in high leverage playoff situations. Listen, it's not exactly Michael Waka, but it smacks of a similar rust kind of situation with a guy like that. And so that uh, yeah. would worry me just overall at any point of him having a high leverage playoff inning as opposed to if Edmund or Tyler O'Neal bounces back, like you said, it is kind of a cherry on top of something you
4: can roll with i need five starts out yeah, of Flair in the regular season before he's in the playoffs but if he's healthy enough to give me five starts that means he's healthy and when he's been healthy he's pitched really well
5: he's looked sharp in his rehab but and that's his, what that's what he, we said earlier yeah. but i know but yeah i'm with you I, I would like to see a good sample size of starts before i would feel comfortable
4: and his velo has been better than it was now he needs to maintain that because he used to throw ninety-six ninety seven. He could get it up there. Not on a regular basis, but he could get to ninety-six ninety seven. He didn't do that the last time we saw him before he went back on the aisle. I think
6: he touched ninety seven in his second rehab start this yeah. time around, which was very positive. Right.
4: That's Matthew. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and this is one oh one ESPN. Coming up, oh, it's almost eight thirty. Do we have a fighter? Do you have a fighter? Yes. Okay, good. Because We're Mitch. Good to have a fighter because the fight is coming up next on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on character and Smallman. In the red corner, Average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, The undisputed king of morning drive, please welcome Randy Carriker.
5: It is the Wednesday edition of The Fight here on Carriker and Smallman, 833 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Randy, I believe Monday and Tuesday got all four correct both days.
6: Yeah, I mean, just starting your week with back to backs like that. I mean, can he go three in a row? We're
5: about That'd to find be out. Dangerous if you're a listener. Can Mitch take him down? He's joining us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Mitch. How are you?
1: Hey, doing pretty good.
5: Are you ready to take on Randy?
1: Yeah, yeah, feeling good about it.
5: Oh, you're feeling good about it. Yeah, All right, okay then. Okay, well, I just want you to know that uh, Randy called it shot before he left the studio, so he's feeling good as well.
4: He he, he doesn't need to do that, but yeah. yeah. <laughs>
5: You're right, Mitch. He doesn't. yet he does almost every day. <laughs> Sorry, I had to take a drink of water. Here we go, Mitch. Question number one for you. Good luck. Who is the only major league baseball player with four hundred home runs and four hundred stolen bases? Is it Barry Bonds, Andre Dawson, or Alex Rodriguez?,
3: Kind uh, of the options one more time.
5: Barry Bonds. Andre Dawson, Alex Rodriguez.
6: Oh. I'll go with uh, Let's go with Dawson. On this day in 2006, Jerry Rice officially retired. Whom did he pass to become the all-time leader in receiving yards all the way back in week eight of the 1995 season in a game against the Saints? Was that Henry Ellard, Sterling Sharp, or James Lofton? Let's go with,
4: uh, with Lofton.
5: Mitch, how many times has Kevin Durant led the NBA in scoring? Three, four, or five?
3: Hmm.
6: Durant, let's go back.
5: Uh, let's go with, uh,
6: I'll go with five. And happy birthday to Mike Shanahan. Which team did he start his head coaching career with? Was it the San Diego Chargers, the LA Rams, or the LA Raiders?
3: Nice. Let's go with uh Chargers.
5: Confirm the score. We gotta wave in Randy. I think he's in the booth chatting with our fearless leader, Mike Ryder. Here comes Randy. Trotting in the studio. Yeah. Oh Diet Dr. Pepper in hand. You're in trouble, Mitch. Sorry. DDP. He says, I know. Hi. Randy, say good morning to Mitch. Hi, Mitch. Good morning. Oh, how wait, you Randy. Doing? You need your mic on. Go ahead.
4: Oh, there we go. Mitch, good morning. It is great to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Good. <laughs> great to have you with us.
5: Randy, how are you doing? You know, you always ask the fighter how he's doing, he or doing. she is doing. I'm fine. I, fine. Just fine. No,
4: no, well, fine being like 100%. I, I have zero qualms about life every problem i have michelle and i've told you this and if you don't deal with first world problems i apologize but every problem i have is a first world problem
5: seems life is good right now it
4: really is they pay me to talk about sports we're winning pro department of life (laughs) yeah yeah
5: Randy, are you ready to potentially win the fight?
4: I am ready to potentially (laughs) win the fight, I'm
5: just saying, it's not a guarantee here.
4: No, no guarantees.
5: Even though you did call your shot before you left the studio during the commercial break. might have had to. Uh, Okay, Randy, question number one. Who is the only Major League Baseball player with 400 home runs and 400 stolen bases?
4: 400 home runs and 400 stolen bases. Okay, this is a... um, you got your own lifeline here, Randy. There's only two possibilities. Um,
5: you said there's only two possibilities? Yeah, there's only two. W- which possibilities are they?
4: Alex Rodriguez and Barry Bonds. They're the only two. Perhaps. Um, well, it's certainly not Jose Canseco. As far as I saw there oh. was a third. Hmm? As
6: we far as have I
5: saw if there was a third. Sheet, yeah. We do have three
4: <laughs> on the sheet, huh? Um. I'm going to. Barry had like over 300 before he left the Pirates. Did he get 100 with the Giants? He kind of quit running with the Giants. Um, I think I'll go 404. You know what? I better do the lifeline just in case there's something stupid that I'm not thinking of.
5: Barry Bonds, Andre Dawson, Alex Rodriguez.
4: Yeah, I don't think it's Andre Dawson.
6: I'll go with A Rod. On this day in 2006, Jerry Rice officially retired. Mm-hmm. Whom did he pass to become the all time leader in receiving yards all the way back in week eight of the 1995 season against the Saints?
4: All time receiving yards leader before Jerry. The record that he, he played broke. another 11 years after he broke the record. That's pretty incredible. Um, okay, before him, I don't think. Well, Don Hudson did have over 10000 But was it Don Hudson? Let me just uh, run through this quickly. Not really a passing league before Jerry came along. Um, and this does not include the AFL, does it? No. I'll go with Don Hudson.
5: Randy, how many times has Kevin Durant led the NBA in scoring?
4: Hmm. I'll go three times.
6: Happy birthday to Mike Shanahan. Which team did he start his head coaching career with?
4: He was the head coach of the Raiders to start his career.
5: Mitch, Randy, gentlemen, we have a tie. Holy cow. Each one of you got one question correct.
3: Which means that we're
5: headed to the (laughs) tiebreaker round. We're headed to the tiebreaker round. Here's how this is going to work, uh, Randy and Mitch. I'm going to read the question. As I'm reading it, Randy's going to write his answer down on a sheet of paper, share with us privately what he has guessed. Mitch, we're going to give you first crack at it. We'll give you about 10 seconds to give us your answer. Then we will share with everyone what Randy wrote down in the sheet of paper and then we will determine a winner. Mitch, are you ready?
4: I'm ready.
5: Randy, are you ready?
4: Ready. Whew,
5: the stress on a Wednesday. Gentlemen, here's your tiebreaker question. Albert Pujols has hit more home runs than doubles in his career. What is his career double total?
6: This does include last night's. Oh, good, okay, I did update that.
5: Albert Pujols has hit more home runs than doubles in his career. What is his career doubles total? Doubles, huh? Yes, indeed, Mitch. Okay, Randy has shared his answer. Mitch, whenever you're ready.
3: Uh, Randy's probably going to get spot on, but uh, uh,
4: let's go with us. 700.
5: Mitch says 700. Randy, your answer is?
4: I said 555.
5: (sighs) One of you guys was closest to the pin. And we do have a victor and a Mitch and a Randy. Matt, ring the bell.
2: The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener.
5: Mitch, congratulations. You were closest to the pin. The rare one answer correct fight victory. I love it. Mitch, great job. Thank you so much.
6: Yeah, I knew those were tough. I was hoping, yeah. You those did were, a good job. Questions.
5: There you go. All right. Well, let's run through our answers uh, because we need to know them. The only Major League Baseball player with 400 home runs and 400 stolen bases is Barry Bonds. It's Barry.
4: It was a coin flip. Yeah, for me.
5: On this day in 2006, Jerry Rice officially retired. He passed James Lofton to become oh. the all-time leader in receiving yards during week eight of the 1995 season. Kevin Durant has led the NBA in scoring four times 2009 through 12 and 13 14. So three in a row and then 13 14 campaign. Good for him. Happy birthday to Mike Shanahan. Hope he's having a great day. The team that he started his head coaching career with was the LA Raiders in 1988. So Randy got that one right. Mitch got question number two right. He got James Lofton correct, which let us to the tiebreaker round. Albert Pujols says he had more home runs than doubles in his career. The question is, what is his career doubles total? Mitch guessed 700. Randy guessed 555. The correct answer is 682. So Mitch was closest to the pin.
4: But Mitch guessed, like, more doubles than was, Albert has.
6: <laughs> he guessed outside the premise of the question, but he was closer to the pin. Yes. And, and, and that I that it he was closer to the pin he was closer to
5: the pin. He was closer to the pin.
6: I, I tried to kind of nudge everybody the way. You know, your, your guess your guess should have been between one and you know six ninety one, but it worked.
5: Technically was <laughs> <Great. what>? closest <laughs> to the pin. It worked.
6: <laughs>
4: Great job, Mitch. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch with us on the fight on one oh one ESPN. Coming up next. Three questions in the NFL about the Philadelphia Eagles. That's next on Character and Smallman.
2: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: Do you have any other questions for me, counselor? I
4: don't really understand
2: your question. Why are you boring me? I'm right. It's a question. That's a clown question, bro. Then shalt thou count to three. No more, no less. And now, it's time for three questions on the Philadelphia Eagles.
4: The Eagles surprisingly made the playoffs last season. They'll try to do it again in 2022. And with questions about the Eagles, here is Matthew. Number one.
6: Well, it's a quarterback league and the Eagles have some questions around their quarterback. Can Jalen Hurts take the next jump up and lead them to the playoffs?
5: I think he can, Randy, and I think he should. With as much attention as we've been paying to Tua vailoa and saying that the Dolphins have surrounded him with the talent to succeed, and we're going to find out about him this season, we should be applying that same logic to Jalen Hurts because he's got a pretty strong cast of characters around him. Devontae Smith coming off an unbelievable rookie season, 916 yards. They now have A.J. Brown, so he's got another weapon there. And he has arguably the deepest and best offensive line in the NFL. So if Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy that the Eagles need him to be, this is the season for him to take that next step.
4: If the question is, can Jalen Hurts lead the Eagles to the playoffs? Well, yeah, he did.
5: He did. He did it. Yes.
4: And... Threw for 3,144 yards last year. Also, led that team in rushing with 784. He is absolutely capable of stepping up, and there are various and sundry reasons why he should be even better passing and not need to pass as much or not need to run as much in 2022. Number two. Good use of sundry, by the way. Thank you. Sundry. Very good. <laughs>
5: I like that. Look at us today. I said precipice. Coach Bielma's like, what a word. You're using sundry. Thank you. Intelligence in the morning.
4: It's crazy how smart we are. I
6: know. Michelle really mentioned some of those incredible weapons that have been added and have been on there for a while for Jalen Hurts, one of the big ones. Obviously, A.J. Brown traded for a first and a third round pick. He dri- dropped off a little bit last year with the Titans. Didn't get to that 1,000-yard level like he did his first few years. So the question is, is A.J. A.J. Brown going to be
4: worth that first and third o- that first and third pick for the Philadelphia Eagles? Yes, he will. He is unfortunately for Titans fans sorry, Brooke Grimsley, he is the <laughs> Derrick Henry of wide receivers. You don't need to just throw the ball deep. And by the way, he can get deep. He's got great speed. But he's a bull. And if you just get the ball into his hands which Jalen Hurts should be able to do with Devontae Smith as a complimentary piece on the other side, they're offense passing game should be able to light things up and he is absolutely going to be worth the number one pick that they gave up for him.
5: To steal from our enemy less need F them picks. Yeah. F them picks and Normally, I, I wouldn't say that, but when you have a proven commodity like AJ Brown, f them picks, and not only that, you signed him to a four-year, hundred million dollar extension, so you're locking him up for a long time. He's going to be the weapon that, that this offense needs and that Jalen Hurts needs. So I think he's he's more than worth the picks that they gave up for him.
4: When you look at their running game, and Miles Sanders needs to be better this year, but they have Dallas guarded as we got Goddard at tight end, as we mentioned, Smith and Brown. Their their offensive line needs to be a lot better than it was last year, but there's no reason for this offense to not be explosive.
6: Say what you will about pro football focus. If you believe in them, they have the Eagles as a top five offensive line going into this season. If that's true, this offense is going to be legitimately great.
4: Yeah. Number three.
6: And with a legitimately good offense and a defense that's gotten a little bit of help, can the Philadelphia
4: Eagles top the Dallas Cowboys and win a subpar NFC East? Absolutely. First of all, the Cowboys are still owned by Jerry Jones.
5: Last I checked, yes.
4: Yes, so that is a check mark against them, and in 2022, they're coached by Mike McCarthy. Strike two.
5: So last I checked, yes, also yes. Yes,
4: so you, you've got problems there if you're the Cowboys. Now, let's go to the Philadelphia side. Last year, there was only one team in the league that had fewer sacks than the Eagles did. That was Atlanta. They had 18. The Eagles only had 29 sacks. They did use free agency to upgrade their defensive line a little bit. They have a pretty good defensive backfield. And if they're going to win, they're going to be able to do so, I think, on the back of their offense and special teams. But yeah, I think they're absolutely capable of unseating the Cowboys at the top of the NFC East.
5: Yeah, the question is, can the Eagles compete with the Cowboys in the NFC East? The answer is absolutely yes. I think it's going to be a battle between these two teams for the entirety of the season. The Eagles have a lot of good pieces. And I really liked what we saw from Nick Sirianni in his first season as their head coach. And I think he's going to just continue to put his fingerprints all over this team. And with the talent that they have returning, I think that they're definitely going to challenge the Cowboys, especially in this week division. But here's how I forecast it, Randy. I think the Cowboys will still win the division because this is what the Cowboys do. And then they'll have a stinker in the playoffs because they can't break through in the playoffs. And I think the Eagles will go, go further. But I just it's not the regular season that the Cowboys seemingly have an issue with. Mm-hmm. It's as, as soon as they take a step into the playoffs, it seems like everything crumbles.
4: One of the problems that the Cowboys have is that they have so many expensive players that they have virtually no depth. And if they lose, and they already traded Amari Cooper, their receiving core already leaves something to be desired. They don't have a lot of depth defensively. And I, I guess Pollard might be, and we'll get, we, we've already done Dallas, but Pollard might give them a little bit up front, but there's no depth on the offensive line because of the money that they're giving uh, Ezekiel Elliott and uh, Demarcus Lawrence and. Uh, Dak Prescott, there really isn't much depth on that. And by the way, Tyron Smith is getting a bunch of money too. That there isn't much depth for the Cowboys. One little,
6: niche. One little niche thought on the Eagles: they haven't done it yet. Jordan Davis and Jacoby Dean have yet to win battle, you know, position battles in training camp. But nonetheless, if either of those Georgia guys, you know, blow up and help out this defense, it completely changes the complexion.
4: Jordan Davis, by the way, is interesting in that he is the largest finesse player in the history of the game. <laughs> He just doesn't overpower guys.
6: <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. It's amazing. It is kind of, and I think that's something that's kind of disappointed the Eagles is that he has it. The, the ferocity yeah. isn't there for a guy who should be the most terrifying player on a football field. Eagles,
4: if you're disappointed, do what Uncle Randy does and watch some Georgia games sometime. Dean's
6: hey, got he, Dean's got some
5: fire though.
4: This is what happens when we live in SEC country? We, we watch the dogs.
5: It just means more big boy football. <laughs>
4: Exactly. Three questions about the can I add one other thing here? Always right. FEMA has apparently arrived on the scene for the Washington Commanders because that is a complete disaster area. Oh man. From
5: we dropping FEMA here.
4: Yeah. Ownership, coaching, players, jerseys. They were on TV the other night.
5: It's a hot mess. It's a disaster. Hot mess Express. Yeah, so. but it's been for quite some time.
4: Yeah, but now they've got a stupid name and stupid jerseys too. They were so much better as a Washington football team with much better jerseys. It sounded. I mean, classic. it's going all the way down to the
5: bottom now. And the Washington football team seemed to work. I don't know why they had to come up with something else. Why couldn't you just yeah. stay with what was working? Could have
4: stayed with what was working. It would have been easy. I don't know.
5: But they had to mess it up. you got to
4: think too much, it's right? the Dan Snyder way. Yeah. That's free questions on 101 ESPN. Coming up, big doings at St. Louis City SC. And their director of sport, Luke lutz will join us next on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Lutz Fonensteel is the director of sport, and he joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line with Michelle Smallman and Randy Carricker. Lutz, it's always good to have you with us. How are you doing this morning?
3: Very well. How's it going down there?
4: Everything's well. We're excited about what you've got going with the developmental program, new U14 and U15 teams to complement the teams that you already have.
3: Yeah, I think now we know our infrastructure, uh, the the whole numbers of teams we want to have actually competing is complete. We did things a little bit different, um, have a U14 shadow team. So basically uh, we don't compete, but we have the talented player together uh, once a week, uh, already getting prepared then for next year in the U15. The U15 is a new team which plays MLS next. Um, the U16, 17 were last year. And we also added... An under-21, which is a a UPSL team, which is like the bridge between, I will call it, academy football and the MLS Next Pro. So it was for us very important to have a continued pathway, you know, from the early age, right then when the boys will actually go to college or will join in in, in the pro setup. So that was one of the things which which I was very particular about, to have that continuous uh, teams going through and don't have a gap in between.
5: That's amazing connectivity, Lutz, throughout the entire organization. And in addition, you also hired seven new youth academy coaches to augment the previous five that were on staff. What sort of qualities are you looking for in coaches when you bring them into city?
3: Yeah, it's always a process. You know, I mean, we, we have a clear idea how we want to play football. We have a philosophy. We have a playing style. So all the coaches we brought in, uh, it's a simple way, you know, they need to buy in, they need to fall in love with the project and they really need to also understand how we want to play. Of course, it's all a learning process, uh, especially in academy football. So it's a lot of dedication and I think it's a lot of hard work. So we do lots of continuous coaching education so everybody's on the same page. But we have a program, we have a plan, and we're pulling that through already in the community programs as well, which starting with U6, U7, up to the U13s. And once uh, uh, we are coming into that crucial age of U14, U15, then we really try to implement our ideas and our playing style. And that's why we added uh, lots of young, talented coaches uh, who can really work and implement that that ideas.
4: Lutz, when you approach coaches, and like Michelle said, you've added seven new coaches, what sort of interest are you getting? When you say, okay, St. Louis City SC is interested in you as a coach, what sort of interest do you get from coaches?
3: Well usually if we uh, you know advertise a job out there there is uh, hundreds of uh, applications coming in but uh, I think it's it's important that we be we, we, we getting uh, coaches in who, who simply um, yeah have the can I would call it relate to all the ideas we have to really identify with that playing style and and with that philosophy. So it's a lot of talk. It's a normal it's a normal process. I would say uh, interview process. But then you realize very quickly uh, who's on the same page, who really wants to do it. And I think it's always the mix, the mix of people you're getting together. Uh, one a bit more experienced than the other assistant coaches who are who are still on the on a, on a very early part of their career, but. Also have been some playing background so it's 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 a good mix between people coming from all different backgrounds, and I think we also want to represent the diversity you know uh, we we always talk about in the club with players we also want to have that in the coaching stuff so yeah, I think I'm pretty happy with that uh with the hirings we had that this season, and as I said we are complete now for for the, for for that season and uh, looking forward for the all the competitions to start, uh, actually, the UPSL starts this coming weekend already, and then the academy team starting on the 10th of September.
4: And Lutz, uh, one more thing about the coaches that you have. When you have the, these young coaches, like you say, getting started in their career, is this a developmental ground as well? Could some of these guys wind up on the MLS staff eventually?
3: Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's that's the big idea behind it, That we, you know, one of the important things is we only want to have some local coaches. That that's something which uh, which is uh, we have to do. We want to do, and we're very motivated to give local coaches an opportunity. And then I'm a strong believer that there is no point to 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 keep coaches always at the same level. I believe in stepping up the ladder. I believe uh, working your way up and actually feeding in in the lower age groups and giving everybody the opportunity to to go up to 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 make the next step and. Uh, yeah, uh, in the ideal world, you know, we will have uh, some of our academy coaches sooner or later in the, in the MLS Next uh, Pro setup or even in the MLS setup.
5: There's been so many exciting things, Lutz, happening with with City SC. So many players that have been announced and acquired by the club that are making their City debuts. And then over the weekend, City 2 advancing in the MLS Next Pro playoffs, which was great as well. Are you starting to see, as you are having success on the pitch and you're seeing these players come into the organization, are you starting to see the culture of the club taking shape?
3: Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, you know, I think... uh, just to come back to the academy, Michelle, it was a great success we had last year. We only had two teams, and we were the first team you know, ever qualified immediately as a brand-new franchise for both uh, uh, finals, national finals, with the u 6 even finish sensationally third, uh, which, which, which is something that we want to build on. But there you saw the playing style. You saw what we're really looking for, and I think it's important to actually get that through in the youngest age to really play the same kind of ideas all the way through to have a certain um, consistency in that way. Coming then to the MLS Next Pro, well, when we started off against Rochester on that Friday evening, I mean, I was confident that we have a good team who will compete. But uh, a little bit we know, you know, that four games to go and we already qualified now for the playoffs which is a great success because it's a very ambitious league and, and we, have, we have a young team. We, of course, have already some of our pro players from Europe here who are joining in but not playing every single time, every single minute. And you do see a culture. You see the strive. You see that. I always say we want to make it as uncomfortable as possible to play against us. Actually, I want the other teams to hate to play against <laughs> us. And that is the feeling you get. So when we go into San Jose like last week, and it's a team which has an unbelievable number of technically very talented players in there, but you see that they struggle the way we play, we grinding, we fighting, we playing as a unit. And what you see right now in the MLS Next Pro is that what you also will see next year. In the MLS, it's a very honest, hardworking football. You know, we are, especially myself, Midwesterners. Oh, just getting now here with my German accent. But <laughs> this is what we, what we really want to stand for as a group. And, yeah, that culture, that feeling, I think, also will soon jump over Onto to the stands as well when she kick off in
4: 2023. Lutz, Fahnd and Steele, because they haven't played against St. Louis CDSC yet, the rest of the league doesn't know that they're going to hate to play against your teams. But as, as you talk to people around the league, obviously here in, in St. Louis, we're very excited about MLS soccer coming to St. Louis. What about the rest of the league? What sort of excitement level is there around the rest of the league to finally have a franchise in St. Louis?
3: Oh trust me they know that they will hate to play against us already now because uh, you know they're also not sleeping they're watching a lot they uh, they they do already their scouting as well so i think it's uh, pretty much uh, pretty much clear what what is going to happen but yeah i think the excitement is big because everybody who is involved in, in soccer in the states knows uh, that uh, here in st louis you know it's it's uh, it's uh, well the soccer capital is traditionally one of the hot Pots uh, actually in, in 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 the country here, so everybody I think is excited to come here and play. We have an unbelievable stadium down there. We have uh, we have a great training facility, and I think it's uh, also the away teams will somehow look forward to playing that beautiful stadium, but only for the first five minutes.
5: <laughs> That's right. And Lutz, speaking of the stadium, Randy and I haven't had a chance to see it since it's really taken shape, but I've seen some of the photos online. It seems like it's going to be the perfect venue for fans to come and cheer City on. Tell us, tell us what you think of the stadium.
3: Yeah, you two should come down and have a little look so we can walk through. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not just the stadium, Michelle. I think it's, it's it's the whole the whole area down there. I mean, having that privilege to have a a world-class stadium and a brilliant training facility right downtown. Not many clubs all over the world have that. I mean, I I literally was everywhere, but I haven't really seen anything like that, that you have that kind of facility together in downtown. It's it's very, very unique. The stadium is very modern. The stadium is uh, the best connectivity you can imagine. I think it's very user-friendly. It's a great fan experience. So I think what we have built there is definitely a, an absolute highlight. Alone the colors, the grass, the whole the whole area, it's great. Um, I mean, the training facilities, for me, even more important uh, now talking as a sporting director, because that's where we spend literally every day and every weekend where we prepare, where we eat, where we uh, kind of like making our match plans. And that's, that's just, Incredible to be right next to each other, so we can walk from our from our facility just through the tunnel right into the stadium. And I think uh, Saint Louis can be really, really proud of their beautiful stadium. And uh, I think we will have all together some unforgettable soccer moments in there in the years to come.
4: Lutz Farn Steele, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Congratulations on everything that's happening with SC and Michelle. And I will take you up on that offer. We'll come and see the stadium soon. Just give me a buzz. Thank you. We'll do. Thanks. Lutz Fawn and Steel. Always great to hear what's going on with City S C.
5: Oh man, Randy, every time we talk to Lutz, I get more and more excited about City SC and what they're doing in downtown St. Louis. The way that he described the style of soccer and the culture that's being implemented, it's honest. It's hardworking. Everyone's gonna hate to play mm-hmm. against them. Is that so? the identity of what St. Louis wants totally. their sports teams to be about. Yeah. and What's
6: crazy is that you can watch guys who are going to be on the first team play right now. Roman Berkey, the guy who is going to be the starting goaltender when we talk about the opening game next spring, he was in goal over the weekend. Uh, Zhao Klaus and Samir Pedro both scored in goal. So like, you can already go on the MLS Next Pro website and watch the game on this Saturday and see guys that you're going to be watching on the first team, suiting up for the first ever first team City SC squad. I think it's awesome you you can already watch these guys
4: that's matthew that's michelle i'm randy coming up you're killing me smalls on 101 espn
2: we're right back to the Character and smallman podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn What's totally killing Smalls right now?
5: You're killing me, Smalls.
2: You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought
5: to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store.
4: Time now for...
5: You're killing me, Smalls. Fernando Tatis Jr. killing the Padres fan base.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. not literally.
5: No, not literally, but figuratively. After he was suspended for 80 games after testing positive for a performance-enhancing substance that is banned by Major League Baseball, and Randy, he addressed the media yesterday for the first time since he got popped for uh, that banned substance, and he he took a lot of the blame on, and he gave an apology to all of those that he let down.
1: I'm really sorry. Um... I have let so many people down. I have lost so much love from people. And I have failed. And I have failed to swallow I
3: have failed to the front office. The San Diego Padres, Peter Sizer, H.A. Preller. I have failed to every fan of this city. I have failed to my country. I have failed
0: my family,
5: parents. He's listing all the people that mm-hmm. he's let down, Randy. Uh, among others, A.J. Preller. He's failed his country. He's failed the fans. He'd, he's failed the city. He's failed his family and his parents. I mean, he, he really just went down the list of people that he's let down.
4: Well, he's let down himself more than anybody else. And... You wonder now if the reason that he was good and the reason that he got the contract is because of performance enhancers. Now, interestingly, Michelle, this year he was making five million. Next year, seven million. His salary re- really doesn't hit until twenty twenty-five when he makes twenty million a year for twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven. But he- he's still going to lose roughly. $4 million over the course of the next year. But the big thing is is he will never be able to, to regain his reputation.
5: Well, he did talk about that, Randy. He was asked about regaining trust from people. And here's what Fernando Tatis Jr. had to say.
1: I have a lot of work to do. It's going to be a very long process to gain everybody's trust again. To gain that love back that I have stabbed straight, straight to the heart to every fan, to every baseball fan. And I'm I'm learning, I'm maturing.
3: I've been dealing with a lot, but still, there has been no excuse for every mistake that I've made.
5: He did hit all the buzzwords there. I'm Mm -hmm. maturing, I'm learning, it's also no excuse. You know, he, he played the I'm young card. What do you think about that?
4: I don't buy it. I mean, the rules are the rules. He knows about the rules that are in place. And I, I have a philosophy about guys, and it's in regards to the Hall of Fame. If you even admitted or were suspected of using steroids before 2004, when there were no rules against it, I'm fine with you going into the Hall of Fame. You didn't break any baseball rules. You there wasn't a rule to cheat I know people say well you cheated baseball you cheated Hank Aaron no you didn't there there were no rules against performance enhancers before 2004 but since 2004 if you have been suspended if you're Rafael Palmeiro or Manny Ramirez or Fernando Tatis or Alex Rodriguez I don't vote for you for the Hall of Fame so for me even though he's got a 13-year contract and even though he's 21 years old He's, to me, extinguished his opportunity to get into the Hall of Fame.
5: I'm I'm sure most people agree with you. But do you think he'll be able to garner the fans' trust and adoration ever again? In
4: San Diego. I mean, McGuire remained a hero for the most part here. Bonds did in San Francisco. Pretty much everybody around the country thinks that Poppy tested positive in 2003, but there's Mm -hmm. no more beloved athlete in Boston than, than Big Poppy. So I would say that in San Diego specifically, as long as he hits he'll be able to regain their trust. Yeah, hitting, wh- hitting and trust go hand in hand.
5: Well, winning cures all. Yes, it does. And if somehow he brings a championship, if he's part of the reason that the Padres win a World Series, people will forget all about it. They'll be like, 100%. he had a ringworm. What'd you expect the guy to do? Yeah, that's
4: a great excuse. And There was a picture of it on his neck. How did he get a ringworm?
5: I don't know kind of gross i've never had ringworms i haven't goodness. either
4: my dog i may have had a dog or i may, may have had i don't know if i had a dog that had a ringworm if we had to give it something to prevent ringworm
5: probably the latter i think you have to give dogs tea or tick and flea pr- prevention yes. ringworm all that stuff Yeah, right yeah but i don't know how he how he got it but isn't, he was just treating it
6: isn't heartworm the big one with dogs
5: oh heartworm. heartworm
4: is a big one too but they do ringworm
5: just I've, worms all over yeah gross
4: inside bodies sickening yeah
5: you're killing me smalls what do you expect i gotta do we had a ringworm
4: okay well you gotta take something for the ringworm right
5: <laughs> i would think so we'll take
6: something something my doc- my doctor will give me steroids too
5: you're killing me smalls well some good news coming out of the state of california bad news for padres fans mm-hmm. great news for angels fans as their owner artie moreno has said you know what enough is enough He has, quote, initiated a formal process to evaluate strategic alternatives, including a possible sale of the team. It was announced yesterday. And the expectation, Randy, is that Artie Moreno will eventually sell the Angels.
4: The Angels are a franchise that many Cardinal fans would love to be a fan of. They spend a lot of money. They get big, big stars. And there's a lot of fans that they just want their general manager to go out and get big, expensive stars. Sure. But Artie Moreno is the worst kind of owner that you can have because he thought he knew baseball, but he doesn't. It's not about big stars. It's not about spending a lot of money. It's about developing a real foundation with a farm system that you bring players up through. And they brought one player that's great up through their farm system in the 20 years that he's owned the franchise, and that's Mike Trout. And he's wasted Mike Trout's career. He alone has wasted Mike Trout's career because He thought that he knew how to build a team and didn't hire anybody that would be much better at it than him. All he needed to do was own. Just own, hire a general manager, put somebody in charge that knows what they're doing, and Artie Moreno couldn't get it. And by the way, if you want the DeWitt family to sell, and there's a lot of people out there that don't like the DeWitt family because the Cardinals don't win a world championship, be careful of what you wish for because you could wind up with an Artie Moreno
5: yes you could and it's a sports crime that Mike Trout hasn't had a better cast of characters around mm-hmm. him because i think that all baseball fans and sports fans deserve to see Mike Trout in the postseason now with the back i don't know if that's something that we're ever going to be able to see but i hope that whoever does eventually come to own the angels does a better job or at least puts him in a better position to win
4: absolutely and You've got the big money Dodgers now up the street. First thing they should do is change the name back to the Anaheim Angels. Anaheim is not in Los Angeles. No. So let it be the Anaheim Angels and try to copy, emulate what a franchise like the Cardinals or Dodgers do and build a system and then supplement around the system with stars.
5: Who do you want? If you could pick anybody to own the Angels, who's your pick?
4: Well, Fox and Disney have already owned the Angels. Uh, That's a great question michelle
5: thank you randy
2: uh
4: i i would think hmm i, I think somebody bob Iger. he was involved with he, he's a disney guy obviously has a ton of money i think he understands delegating i think that'd be a good choice
5: i want somebody famous to own the angels because i want to bring some star power to baseball
4: well, they've already had fox and disney on
5: them no but i mean like i want post malone to own the angels right i, oh, want, I want everybody to get red solo cups when they walk in and uh-huh. there's concerts before the game I, I want some legitimate star power
6: how about this i wouldn't ever want him touching a historic franchise like the one he almost bought but the, the soulless angels just let, let cuban let cuban into the league finally.
4: I don't know if you want to go there. Let Mark Cuban in
6: the league. Why not the Angels? If there's okay. any if there's any franchise that'd be okay with him taking other than maybe one of the like the Rangers if they ever came up for sale. Go ahead and just run run ramble with the with the Angel. That doesn't bother me.
4: There's another Southern California billionaire that mm-hmm. doesn't own a baseball team yet. Stop it.
5: Why would you want to do that? Why would he bid on the Dodgers? I but why you don't want him to own the Angels team? Well, maybe I don't like the Angels. That's a fair point. Why would you want to do that to Mike Trout? I
4: wouldn't want to do that to Mike Trout.
5: You don't want Mike Trout to be employed by the devil? Come on, yeah, I would. How that. could the Devil own the Angels? Yeah. Can't yeah. happen. Good point.
4: <laughs> True. Here's the scariest thing about this Michelle and and Matthew if a smart owner gets a hold of that franchise and comes after John Mozeliak like, with big money says run our franchise. You're in charge. You're the guy. And he's out of St. Louis. That that's a scary thought.
5: But why wouldn't that have happened already?
4: Because they didn't have a smart owner in place that was willing to give up control.
5: But there's tons of other owners in baseball that have a lot of money who seemingly are smart well, that could have come after Mo.
4: And when they did, Mo was promoted to president of baseball
5: operations. So what's the next step? Co-owner?
4: Complete control.
5: Doesn't he already have complete control?
4: No. If if he wants to go make a move, he still has to call the boss. President of the team?
5: Make him president of the team?
4: He's president of baseball operations. Bill DeWitt III is president of the team.
6: But that's good checks and
5: balances, right? That that It's more of a collective. There's a lot of voices that come together to make a decision. If you
4: want to build your own thing, I mean... Uh,
5: Come on. We know that Mo's in charge.
4: But I'm not so sure about that. Because when they offered Albert the $210 million, that was not a Mo move. Mo, Mo was uncomfortable with that move.
5: True. But that's a very unique situation with mm-hmm. an icon coming off a World Series victory.
4: Yeah, I'm just saying that he has to go through the ownership to get stuff done now. If you're an owner that gives him complete control and says, hey, I'm going to go and run my internet company, you run my baseball team.
5: But don't you think if you're going to give a player hundreds of millions of dollars that ownership will want to sign off on that? Even if you have complete control, you still have to let the owner know. I think
4: he, rather than asking, you tell. That, that would be the difference. Rather than calling up and saying, uh, a- asking, hey, what about the idea of trading for Nolan Arenado?" You call up and say, hey, we're tra- trading for Nolan Arenado." That would be the difference. Plus, you're in Southern California.
5: But we've talked about this with John Moselak. He's been at this a long time. And this is a, a grind of a job. Yep. And the baseball season is long. And, and he's been doing this for many years. I, I wonder if that would even be appetizing for him to go somewhere and start from the beginning.
4: I'm not sure. But I, I just think it would be... I don't think people understand how scary it's going to be when he's not in charge of the baseball operations of this franchise anymore. I, I don't. I don't think people have any idea how difficult that job is and what an amazing job he's done is.
5: He really has. Yep. Killing me, me. You want one more? No, yeah, one more. Okay, so I was reading this. Go ahead, fire it again. You're killing me, sir. There we go. Randy, I was reading a, a survey this morning. What state do you think has the longest and the shortest life expectancy?
4: I would suggest that the the shortest life expectancy, I would go for... Mississippi.
6: That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, I, that was my guess 100%, Mississippi, for both.
5: I wish I had your sa- soundboard here, Randy, because you both are correct. It is Mississippi. <laughs> shortest, shortest lifespan.
2: Congratulations, Mississippi. Shortest
5: Mississippi, Mississippi 71.9 <laughs> years. You got it.
4: A lot of tobacco in Mississippi.
5: Where do you think the longest, the longest. life expectancy is now, kay. boys?
4: Okay, I'm because of the people... I know that California is healthier. I'm gonna go Oregon. I was gonna, I was gonna say people in like, you know, like Finland and stuff
6: are always the longest living in like Europe. So I'm gonna go Pacific Northwest. I'm gonna go either Oregon or Washington, but I'm gonna go with Washington as well.
5: I went Oregon. Or he we went. He Oregon. Went, I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna go Washington then. You're both incorrect. Dang. Although one of you is closer than the other, the state with the longest life expectancy. Is Hawaii oh, 80.7 no, years. Oh. Coming in at number two is Washington, 79.2. Mm. Ready Oregon checking in at number eight. Now let's go to our two fair states here. Illinois coming in at number 26, 76.8 right. years. Halfway home, halfway there. ILL. What's the, what's the average? 76.8. Excuse me. Nice I 76.8. Very good. Missouri, you have to scroll a little bit more. Missouri, not as healthy as Illinois, coming in at number 40, 73. Five point one years of life expectancy in the state of Missouri.
4: Yeah, tobacco uh, will probably have something. Say, to well, do you knock out right all, all the southern it. states, and then you just get up to yeah, yep, yeah,
5: right. It works. Yeah, I mean, come on, Missouri needs to wear that as a badge of honor. We're in the SEC, baby. Yeah, we fit. We're in the South. We yeah. we live a, a hard life. It might be a, a shorter life, but it is a hard life filled with good hey, football.
4: We're with Mississippi. I, I, Bottom 15 include Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, <laughs> South Carolina. SEC territory, buddy. Okay.
5: 51, Mississippi. Thank 49, you. Louisiana. Thank 48, you. Alabama. Thank 47, you. Kentucky. 46, Tennessee. 45 is Arkansas. Uh, number 40 is Missouri. Number Shockingly, number 37, Georgia. I'm thinking with, with Sweet Tea. Atlanta's
4: and, kind of advanced, though. I
5: guess, I guess. But, I mean. It's just more important here. SEC country. Big boy football, baby. Short lifespan.
4: Thanks, Michelle. You got it. We got some great NFL news plus notes for you coming up on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: time for some nfl news and notes and michelle we were at dick Vermeil's hall of fame induction uh, a couple of weeks ago and by the way dv is going to be here in town on friday night for the isaac bruce gala and i think you can still get in just go to isaacbruce.org if you want to try to get in because isaac is going to welcome the new hall of famer dick Vermeil. but dv said in his speech that don coriel should be a hall of fame coach and the former football cardinal coach who did change the NFL forever is the coaching finalist this year. And that's pretty much entree into getting into the Hall of Fame. Now, he passed away about a decade and a half ago. But until Don Corriel came here to St. Louis, the NFL was a running league. They ran it about 65% of the time, 70% of the time. Now, they pass the ball about 70% of the time. And that's because of what Don Coriel started nobody has changed the way football is played over the course of the last 40 years more than Don Coryell did.
5: I'm kind of surprised he's not already in he's, the Hall of Fame, Randy.
4: It's a crime that he's not in the Hall of yeah,
5: Fame. Yeah, it's insane. You know how transformative he was. The offense that he implemented, the Air Coryell offense, was mm-hmm. so transcendent. And as you said drastically changed the way that the game is played. To think that just now he is a Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist and that he could potentially get in this year after he passed away is insane to me.
4: And he has clearly done, he he did more with that franchise. Granted, Ken Wisenhunt took the football Cardinals to a Super Bowl and they lost, but in terms of getting them to the playoffs, uh, Don Coriel is still the most successful coach in the history of the Cardinals since they moved to St. Louis in 1960 and subsequently moved to Arizona.
5: Do you think that he didn't get in prior because he he didn't reach a Super Bowl?
4: Yeah, that's clearly the reason, which is not a good reason. I mean, Bug Grant, he, he went to four and lost four. Marv Levy went to four and lost four. It, it's really hard to get to a Super Bowl, and He was in several championship games. Things didn't go his way, but just his impact on the game, I think, is worthy of him being a Hall of Famer.
5: I'm just sad that he didn't get that honor while he was still alive.
4: Yeah, and so many people advocated for him and wanted him to to be in the Hall of Fame chief among them. Of course, our late friend Jim Hannafin. I'm sure Dan Deardorff is happy today because he played for Don Coriel and knows the impact that Don Coriel had. By the way, uh, just to give you a little bit of uh, reference here. Coriel took the Cardinals to the playoffs in 74 and 75, and then Haney did in 82. Uh, Buddy Ryan did, or no, Bill Tobin did in 1998. Then Wizenhunt did it for two years. Arians did it for two years. And last year, Cl- Cliff Kingsbury. Nobody has taken the Cardinals to the playoffs more times than Don Coriel. So there you have that. Uh, How about this, Michelle, out of Green Bay where Sammy Watkins is a free agent wide receiver and he says that Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers are on different levels. He said, I think Pat is incredibly good, but A-Rod is on a whole nother level. He's amazing how he controls the ball, how he puts everyone in place. I've been with a lot of quarterbacks and I've never seen them carry themselves like Aaron Rodgers.
5: That doesn't surprise me. As great as Patrick Mahomes is, I think Aaron Rodgers is on another level. Patrick Mahomes has the the physical skill set, but I think Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys that elevates everyone around him. I'm interested to see Patrick Mahomes this season without Tyreek Hill because maybe he is one of those guys, but the weapons that he's had around him haven't let us the confidence to say that he can do that because he's had Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. And we're going to find out how much of it was Patrick Mahomes and how much of it was was Tyreek Hill at times. But I just think Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest to ever do it.
4: And there is absolutely no doubt that there are a select few that can elevate those around them and make them better than they really are. Peyton Manning, one of those guys. Obviously Brady, one of those guys. Did it with New England. Didn't have to elevate the guys in Tampa. But everybody that Rodgers has had has been really good with him and not so good without him.
5: What do you think about this one, Randy? So, in Carolina, we talked yesterday about Baker Mayfield getting the starting quarterback job over Sam Darnold, but Pete Carroll, not ready to name a starting quarterback in Seattle just yet. It's still between Geno Smith and Drew Locke, and it's not going to be decided anytime soon, it seems like. Pete Carroll said that the Seahawks will, quote, take all the time they need to settle in on a starter.
4: When you have two quarterbacks, that means you don't have one. <laughs> yes. Right? And so they've got real problems there. And I would not be surprised if they wind up with the first pick in the draft. If they wind up with one of the hot quarterbacks this year that's going to come out in the draft next year.
5: I mean this as no disrespect to Geno Smith, but I'm just a little surprised that Drew Locke wouldn't have separated himself already from somebody like Geno Smith.
4: I give Geno Smith a ton of credit for still being in the league, but there is no good reason. And this goes back to the Kaepernick thing. Even now... Colin Kaepernick would be a better quarterback than Geno Smith even now and there have to be better guys out there I would think for the the Seahawks than Geno Smith he must be a great guy
5: well he's right right now according to Pete Carroll ahead in the competition and I know that Drew Locke had COVID and and he's coming back he's uh, shared the first team reps with Geno Smith uh, yesterday and has taken part in all of the practices this week so maybe that's a part of the contributing factor to where he stands in this competition. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we're even having that com- that conversation, that Geno Smith is ahead of Drew Locke right now, doesn't look great for the former Mizzou quarterback.
4: And by the way, I wonder why Pete Carroll bothers at the age of 70. He's With not going to rebuild that thing quickly <laughs> enough,
5: right? Well, he doesn't think that, Randy. I mean, this guy's chewing on gum, pacing the sidelines. He's in the gym, getting the lifts in. Age is just a number to Pete.
4: I hope that he's able to get things rebuilt Look at Tony there.
5: La Russa. You know, some guys just, they, they can't quit the game.
4: But maybe they should. We love our Tony.
5: We love TLR.
4: But they don't in Chicago. I I think once you fall asleep during a game, I think it's over.
5: He is public enemy number one in yeah, Chicago. He is. But just like a lot of people in St. Louis will never be won over by John Moselak, Tony La Russa could have won a World Series and there would still be people in Chicago that would hate him. When That's he true. When he got that job there were people that had already made up their mind regardless of what the results would be. That's
4: a good point. Those are NFL News and Notes on 101 ESPN. We're going to head down the stretch get ready for Cards and Cubs Game 4 tonight. Plus we're going to give away some tickets to a concert for you next on 101 ESPN.
2: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Hey, we've got tickets to uh, win a pair. Uh, we've got tickets to win a pair of tickets. No, we have your chance <laughs> to win a pair of free tickets to see the Eagles on November 15th at Enterprise Center performing Hotel California in its entirety, plus a Greatest Hits set as well by the Eagles. Tickets on sale now for the Eagles Hotel California Tour. And if you can answer this question about the Philadelphia Eagles, then you can win tickets to see the Eagles on November 15th. And all you need uh, to do...
5: I see what you do there. Get e- it, the Eagles. Eagles, yeah. Eagles and Eagles.
4: Texter number 21 with the correct answer here. So Hall of Fame finalist Don Coryell. Was here from 1973 through 1977. 73, 74, 75, 76, 77. Don Corriel's St. Louis Cardinals faced the Philadelphia Eagles 10 times. How many times did Corriel beat the Eagles out of those 10 times that he faced them? Texture number 21. Terry Metcalf's number, Mm -hmm. will get the tickets to the Eagles. You can also text in 65780 for your chance to win another free pair of tickets or find a bonus chance to win at 101ESPN.com or on the 101ESPN mobile app. And I think I'm I'm the, uh, I guess I'm the Eagles fan here, huh? Not not Philadelphia. I was going to say,
5: the band, the Eagles? The band, the Eagles, Would you have known the answer to that trivia question, Megamind?
4: I probably would have gotten it pretty quickly. Yeah, that gives you an idea, by the way, of Dick, what Dick Vermeil took over in Philly.
5: Oh yeah, good point. They
4: were abysmal, and I actually hated Dick Vermeil because he would turn them good.
5: That's crazy to me that at any point in your existence, Randy, that you could have hated Dick Vermeil.
4: Yeah, and it wasn't had nothing to do with his personality. Clearly,
5: no, I know. I but... was
4: uh, what. Uh, 14 years old and he was beating my card, he was challenging my cardinals and then when coriel left he started beating my cardinals and that's when i really got mad at him
5: um i hadn't even really had a chance to reflect on what we got to see and be a part of in canton because i was gone the week following and mm-hmm. then you were gone for a week we were not together for two weeks but that was such a wonderful wonderful celebration of dick Vermeil and not only his unbelievable coaching career, but just a, what a great person he is. To see so many people from every component of his life and his coaching life come together to celebrate him, and just to, to see the joy on his mm-hmm. face from for the entire weekend was something I'll always remember.
4: And almost all of the starting 22 from his Super Bowl championship team were on hand. We got a chance to spend a lot of time with Jay Zygmunt from the front office, Trent Green, who's one of the best people in the world, mm-hmm. was there. It was a lot of fun to see those guys and we got to tell you about kevin carter's son who is a senior tight end at dartmouth Mm -hmm. 66 250 built like kevin yep interning on wall street he's brilliant he looks his name is zion and he's he looks just like kevin (laughs) and it's one of the most amazing things i've ever seen is how brilliant the kevin carter family is shima Mm -hmm. his wife kevin obviously he's a zoology major in from florida And now seeing his son, who looks just like him, is unbelievable. Uh, uh, Just being at Dartmouth, but then being a 6'6", 250-pound tight end at Dartmouth, who's interning on Wall Street, I think he's got an okay future.
5: You're interning on Wall Street. You're smart enough to go to Dartmouth. Oh, and you're so gifted athletically. Some people just have it all.
4: Yeah. And Kevin said, he said, okay, my wife is brilliant, so I give her all the credit for him going to Dartmouth. (laughs) But the 6'6", 250, and can run? you're welcome.
5: <laughs> yeah, He's like, that's all me.
4: <laughs> and what a shame. We talk a lot about the greatest show on turf. And it, Kevin was a huge part of the, the championship. It's, it's a shame that he didn't get to spend more time here with the St. Louis Rams either, because he's just such a great guy. But, you know, the only person we missed, Defar had some family issues. And I believe DeMarco's going to be in town later this week, but he wasn't able to make it up. But to see Orlando and Fred Miller and Gruta Doria and uh, Adam Timmerman and uh, just the, the whole, Marshall was there and all the receivers mm-hmm. were there. It was very cool.
5: But you know what isn't cool? Is anytime I'm around the greatest show on turf, it bums me out, Randy, that the greatest team in NFL history is nomadic now that they don't yeah. really have a home because it, they're not the LA Rams and sure they can come back to St. Louis but there's no team here so it's just a real sports tragedy that they don't have a true home that they can come back to and be celebrated all the time.
4: They are football orphans.
5: I hate that. I hate that.
4: Yeah. It it sucks for them and, and it sucks for us. For us. Yeah, it, and it sucks for us too. Yeah, but cause... the fact that Isaac is the perfect example. Isaac should have gotten his Hall of Fame ring in St. Louis at halftime of a St. Louis Rams game. Kurt should have, too. Uh, Coach from won this year. Yeah. The it, Dome should have
6: rang out Bruce yeah, one final time. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> Absolutely. Just,
4: it, it, it sucks all the way around. And it's, it, that it's just the greed of the NFL.
5: They would have been bobbing and weaving.
4: <sighs> yeah. It would have been incredible. Hey, congratulations <laughs> to Ryan in Redbud, Illinois. You know right, where Red Bud is?
5: Of course, I do. I'm Played sure. softball in Redbud. Well, there
4: you go. Uh, Ryan knew that Dick, Verme- or uh, yeah, that uh, Don Coriel went nine and one against the Eagles. Nine and one. Nine and one. He was pretty good. So, congratulations to Coach uh, Coriel's family, his descendants, as he's a finalist for the Hall of Fame. Miles Michaelis pitches at Wrigley Field tonight against Luke Farrell of the Cubbies. Luke, this year, is uh, he has not done a lot. He uh, has no record with a uh, 4.74 earned run average. So hopefully the Cardinals will be able to beat up on him and take three of the first four in this series. We're going to talk to Adam Wainwright tomorrow. We didn't have Wednesdays with Wayno, so we'll do Thursdays with Waino.
5: A rare Thursdays with Waino, but it's always a highlight of the week. When we do peak and pit, Randy, I'm kind of surprised that we don't pick our conversations with Adam yeah, Wainwright as good. peaks more often. Yeah.
4: They're so, great. They are great. 7.05 with the action tonight from Wrigley. We've got a balloon party with Mac and Ajax coming up. Great job today by our producer engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. And Michelle, this was fun. Let's do it again tomorrow.
5: It was amazing. I will see you on Friday Eve.
4: That will be tomorrow. Yes. For all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting, in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis.
2: You've been listening to the Carriker and Smallman Podcast. Presented by Dom's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance,
4: GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV